Well, what, what was your craving? Yeah, so I uh, I made a huge lad error and I had Taco Bell last night. Oh, no. I'm sorry. Party foul. I wow. cheated on you guys. Um, and it was- <laughs> Welcome home, cheater. <laughs> yeah. It was a um, with great shame as well. The, the mic, sorry. I'm sorry, we're moving it back this we're way. In. Okay, uh, yeah. we, what was your craving, Jimmy? Yeah, what was your, what well, was your, is that, is that good? It was good. I'm just, it was like, Slurpy it was peaking. Swamp. It was peaking a little bit and now it's, now it's not. Now it, now it seems okay. Okay. I think that's fine. Yeah, because we, we have like, let's say, let's say two. Like two. Let's say two. Yeah. Boom. Perfect. So, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold my hands up like this the whole time. Yeah. Make sure. Otherwise, that, that make feels make good. sure. Yeah. Great. Okay. okay cool. cool. Sorry. You're craving. Yeah. You, you, so, so you betrayed us. Go I ahead. betrayed you guys. I got home late last night from the football game. Oh, and, yeah. They uh, won, right? I heard. They did win. It was, uh, what was it? 32 to 12. Oh, my God. Waterhouse. Yeah. That's kind of a big score gap. Oh, no. Around the league, like, Oh, I don't want to say the yeah, names, but maybe <laughs> don't say the names. I, I was literally about to be. I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> our uh, our alma mater oh. got absolutely oh, was... no. It wasn't against them, oh. but this is just to illustrate the point of oh, like the scoring. Okay. Our all, alma mater got destroyed by our, by our crosstown rival. Whoa! Uh, like forty-two or nothing. Or oh my like god! That. So well, our alma mater famously has a very bad football team. Yeah, we're we're known for water polo. And if you care to go into like our social media and like figure out what our alma mater is and like what the football <laughs> team is like great i implore you to get a hobby yes <laughs> what so is is your school mm -hmm. notoriously good at football not since i've been there which is funny because when uh jack and i went to high school uh mm -hmm. the school that i currently Back work in 1897. at 1897 yeah in 1897 the school that i currently work at was really good at football and like at the mm. prime and like went to uh state i think is what they call it the regionals yeah they but they <laughs> no, they lost the state but like they're they're like we're really good um and we have not been great now we're like two and two on the season mm. um but uh but anyway so it was really fun uh, but i got home late from that and i uh Opened up DoorDash. Um, what, what am I going to get? I'm a little hungry right you're, now. You're only a wow. man. Yeah, Veggie Girl was closed. Uh, well, Mendocino closed, wow. and there was the Beacon. Uh, you <laughs> opening DoorDash and being like Mendocino was closed, Veggie Girl was closed. Like you need a flashlight under your face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like the story. <laughs> this is scary. But Taco just, Bell was there. For I me. just imagine like you're sitting there, like everything's closed, everything's closed, and then. In the distance, really softly, uh, you hear a bell. Yeah, da ding, ring. da ding. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then it gets louder, louder, louder. Ringing the bell. That's exactly how it went. And so I, I placed my order. Um, it was a little touch and go. It took a second to find a, a dasher to pick it up, and oh, I was really? like, oh, this isn't gonna work. What time was it? It's like nine twenty, but it's oh, a, that might as well be midnight. Yeah, where it's the that's, yeah. that's actually a little early for Taco Bell. <laughs> <laughs> like, you, you should either be having Taco Bell at like dinner time or like yeah. two a.m. Two a.m. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. there's no in between. To sober up. <laughs> it, it, it was late for the suburbs, um, but right. got a dasher, uh, dropped off the meal. It was great. But anyway, a mistake on my part because I knew that I was seeing you guys yeah. today, and usually the call is to ring the bell. Um, but my craving on the way over. Mm. Mm. Was Chipotle. Whoa! Uh, I, mean, I know it's Jackson. It's a tough that I, sell, I hate but. that restaurant so much because <laughs> everybody knows. Oh, that's weird because they're actually the sponsor for today's episode. Uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, listen, I it, it's yeah, I would always be down for. I that. looked at Chipotle on DoorDash last night, and they closed at nine thirty, and it was mm. like nine fifteen. I'm like, I don't think it's gonna work. Nine thirty. So, that's such a weird closing time. Suburbs. 
But like, why not nine or or just ten? Uh, is that a thing? Know. Do restaurants close on the half hour now? Sure. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I think, why not? I, yeah. I think to give like they want people out of there by like ten. You know, like a half hour. To oh, because they assume if you if you close at nine thirty, they'll be like stragglers. Till, like, yeah, until yeah, ten. Exactly. Okay, yeah. fair enough. Yeah, we did. And that's that what you were doing, right? You were yeah. like, you were lingering. <laughs> so not exactly like a bold suggestion, <laughs> but in um, yeah, that um, <laughs> that woman banging on the bus. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's me. I'm such a bull at nine thirty two. Uh, what's what's your go-to Chipotle style? Are we a tacos, a quesadilla? Have you ever met anyone who doesn't say bowl? I feel like well, Haley does tacos. That's a hell. Yeah, it's really disturbing. That's actually sick. That's twisted. Yeah, the one the thing I I cannot remember the last time I ever saw someone order a burrito from Chipotle. I ordered burritos when. So when I'm there, I would rather have a burrito for some, but that's very rare. Mm-hmm. Like you mean, if you're, like, if you're dining in. If dining I'm dining in, in okay. you know, if I have a reservation, <laughs> if I have one, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's hard, you know, to get that I'm just table, yeah. No, it's like me, me calling the Chipotle, just being like, Wendy? Hey, it's Jack. Yeah, how are you? <laughs> Listen, like, you're gonna kill me, but like, do you have a table for three? Is the patio open? <laughs> do you have the heaters on? Oh, you're a lifesaver. What would I do without you? <laughs> gonna buy. So I, I do order a burrito when I'm there. I don't know, something something about the, the bowl feels a little more home mm-hmm. to me for some reason. I don't I don't have like an explanation for sure. it. I just yeah. feel like it's, it feels better to eat that at home. I think. <laughs> and if I'm on the go, I have the burrito. But I mm. my, my order, like, when I was a lot younger um, was burrito. And yeah. then mm-hmm. sometime, like, maybe in, like, in college, I, like, yeah. switched over to the We bowl. became a man. I became a man. But I, what I do, and I, it's sort of like, you know, uh, I don't know. Do people do it for a health benefit? Like, is that what? Because, like, oh, skip the tortilla. All I, I know is that. that much. And all I know, though, is when I get a burrito, it's a day ender. Like that, yeah. th- I'm done. I'm useless after the burrito. I, what, I, what, I've, what I did was I, or I do, is I got the bowl. I get the bowl. And then I have chips. And yeah. then I dip the bowl yes. innards yes. with the chips. Oh, do you know what I saw on TikTok just the other day? What? Which is the worst thing I've ever seen on TikTok. <laughs> Somebody made a suggestion that if you go to, or if you order on the Chipotle app and you order, um, it was like tortillas and then you order sides of all of the things that you would put in a burrito, you can get it all for like $2. And then they just made their own burrito. Yeah. I know Chipotle is like a corporation. Like I don't feel bad for them being cheated out of money, but that felt so like, stupid no, to sit there and like so look at yeah. an employee in the eye and be like can i get all of your burrito fillings in a side portion yeah you know yeah and then because also okay there's a couple things there is that i'm assuming and because i've never done this but i'm assuming that they got to they have to put them in the little plastic cups exactly yeah right? exactly so you're, so you're wasting more plastic cups yep. you're wasting this m- minimum wage workers like time, time. Yep. you know and doing all that stuff yeah not not a fan i no. also in this, there's this goes against all of my sort of like beliefs. Beliefs, <laughs> but I get so annoyed when I see people do the soda with the water cup. 
You know oh, what I mean? Like oh. they get they get a water cup and then they get like they a the soda, soda there. I don't know. I don't know why that like irks <clears throat> me so much. It's just it yeah. does it doesn't it doesn't do it for I've, me. I feel you on that. I agree, and it makes me uncomfortable for the same reason that I think you were referencing of like why do I care? Yeah, I that Coca Cola is getting cheated right yeah. now. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like and that and that one's that one's specific goes against because the Tripoli one stand by fully. Like you're wasting yeah. plastic, you're wasting their time. Mm-hmm. The water cup thing doesn't affect anyone at all. No. Like there's, 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 you know, so much of that little like, you know, syrupy, whatever that goes in those machines. Not a huge deal. Same kind of cup. It just bothers. <laughs> and me. if the water is distributed by Dasani, then Coca Cola is still making money off yeah. of it. So <laughs> well, I wonder if it bothers you. I feel this has been something I've been thinking about for a while is like how our society has become increasingly like, Obviously, it's like this isn't revelatory to say, but like our society's become increasingly solipsistic and it's like it's all just like you're out for yourself or whatever. And I wonder if it's reflective of like that, just like a more worrying trend where it's just like, ah, it feels like that type of thing where we're all playing by different rules mm-hmm. of morality, even on the smallest <laughs> possible scale of like yeah. stealing soda. It just is like, again, I agree with you. It's like it's a giant mega corporation. Stealing like, soda. Well, well, breaks, but well, yeah, it's funny is I'm thinking about it. If I saw someone stealing something at like Target, huh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> who cares? That's yeah. fine. Please, go, please. <laughs> After you. Like, I don't care at all. I'll, I'll trip the security guard. <laughs> yeah. Like the, like the, 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 like, you know, the, the self-checkout stealing thing. If I, if I happen to see that, Please, please, by all means. But if you're putting <laughs> Coke in that water cup, hell. Yeah, <laughs> <to> hell. <laughs> yeah I mean, that, it is funny because I witnessed so many friends of mine in high school just like... Call them out individually? Uh, yeah, <laughs> just steal from Forever 21. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I, I was with a friend once. I, she will go unnamed for the purposes of this, but at Forever 21, she pulled uh, a pair of sunglasses off the rack, tried them on, looked in the mirror, like admired her reflection, and went, Huh? And then put them in reverse, and then we just walked out. And I was like, "You're a fucking hero." Yeah, yeah. Was she doing it as a statement, or more of like, "I'm just a dumb kid who like couldn't be bothered"? Well, it is kind of funny because I think there was a small part of us that did that to make each other laugh. Like it was like really funny, and like we did kind. And you know, it's so it comes from such a like gross bored privileged suburb kid place, but like. It was so like it did make me like die every single time. (laughs) I I think that was an element of that. I have I have a similar sunglass ceiling story uh, where, but in a with a twist at the end, (laughs) which is that I I was with my dad somewhere and we were trying on. I was trying on sunglasses, Mm -hmm. you know, as one does, and I I I had the sunglasses. I like was not intending on buying one. I put it on like, you know, I put it over my head, you know what I mean? Like whatever. Mm -hmm. And I accidentally walked out of the store. Mm. We were like two miles down the road when I noticed it and I started crying (laughs) and begging my dad to drive me back so that I could return it to the thing. Dang. Uh, That's such a good, like those types of stories where you like walk out of the store wearing something that you weren't, like when you try something on in the changing room and then you forget you have it on or something and walk out. It's like so classic childhood. Very, I, I think I'm, I must have been like, you know, like six or seven or something like that. That's funny. I know what. Uh, oh, go ahead. Oh no, go for it. I was just gonna say, Where, what have you stolen, Jimmy? Yeah, I've never you... stolen anything in my life because wow. I respect the boundaries nice. of the marketplace. Very cool. <laughs> I think the worst I've ever done is I think I've stolen office supplies 
from mm, jobs. Oh, but again, that's like, you know, I, I'm not talking like mass conspiracy, yeah. like, you know, where it's like I'm moving like large quantities of staplers or I, something. It's I, just I, like, oh, I need a stapler. Yeah, I think that you're owed that as a worker. I, I really feel like given at least the main culprit of this that I stole from mm-hmm. that company, I really feel like it was the least they could do. Yeah. <laughs> Is just turn a blind, turn a blind eye. I um, think, but you know. I'm trying to remember. I can't remember like uh, a big thing that I stole as like a teen or an adult, but I do remember um, when I was younger, I was in, it must have been like, like a YMCA, like an after school camp, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I remember uh, in the Lego bin, they had the little, Lego minifigure like revolver piece mm. and I remember as a kid like thinking that was real cool and I definitely stole that little yeah, Lego nice. gun so sure. lock me up and know. then you took that gun and held up a bunch of other places yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly right, yeah. that was the, the gateway yeah. <laughs> to your life of crime <laughs> I was gonna ask um just backing up to the Chipotle bowl conversation sure, I, I know I, I I wanted to ask this and I, then the conversation got carried away but I do think it's interesting I feel like there's a time in where you transition from childhood to adulthood mm-hmm. where all of a sudden I feel like I'm asking for things in bowls and cups as opposed to like, like for me, it's like the ice cream cone. Like I rarely will get an ice cream cone because mm-hmm. I'm just like, I don't want to have to deal with the mess. The hassle. And it's like, I really feel like it's the same thing with the burrito and the bowl. Where it's like, I don't want to deal with the mess. And it's like mm-hmm. this thing of, I really feel like it's the perfect encapsulation of like childhood gone away. Yeah. Because it's like, you're not thinking about, oh, it's so fun to have an ice cream cone. You're just like, oh, this is going to be so messy. Right. And there's no parent that's going to clean up after me. Yeah, because if you drip that cone on your clothes, one, you have to clean them, and or two, you have to buy new clothes. So basically, I I was going to ask, like, do you guys... Are you like an ice cream cone person? Do you have you transitioned to a I've, cup? Are there other things that you? I would be a cone if I still a cone if I was able to. Just because I feel it feels like it's such a novelty. I I have almost always been a bowl person mm-hmm. with the ice cream because I <laughs> you came out of the womb like an adult man. Well, I, for whatever reason, like waffle cones never connected to me. I liked Ooh. I liked the ones that taste like like cardboard those were the ones that i liked and most places didn't have them so i was like okay yeah, well awful. i don't want That's yeah why. well of course they're like disgusting but it's like that kind of like that craft single mm-hmm. kind of cheese thing where you're like it's yeah. nasty it's fake but like this is the thing sure. that i, I want. still have a deep fondness for um nilla wafer cookies because oh, I, even like those, yeah. I mean i think those are not as bland as like what you're describing but like it's crazy that just because that was a cookie that I was allowed to have as like a small child, I'm just like, yeah, that's my, what I crave. Is totally, that like my, simple, bland right. My my like sweet tooth has been described to me as like an 80 year old like woman kind of thing. Like, I really like the like hard caramels like and and, and, and whoppers. Like I really do you like, like the Heath like bars. Love heat. Take bars. five. Uh, almond take joy. Five? Oh no, I don't like almond joy. That okay. is another like childhood to adult thing where it's like you I feel like I've lost a lot of my taste for like the really sugary really sweet candy like Mm. unless it's unless there's a sour element going on which I still enjoy Mm. yeah I will be hard-pressed to reach for something that's just like covered in sugar I'm like I would like chocolate 
Yeah. You know, yeah. that's kind of, it's, I don't know. I've it's time to set aside childish things. I, 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 the only <laughs> reason, I feel like the main reason I switched from, from burrito to bowl, well, there's two things. One, I used to, this person that I would get Chipotle with a lot, you would get a bowl and then get two tortillas and then put the, split the bowl mm. inwards and put it in the tortilla. Oh, hold on, hold on. <laughs> what did you just say? The bowl what? Innards. <laughs> The, oh, God, the, I don't that. like that. What's the, what's the filling? Filling? Okay, fine. <laughs> innards? The, the filling, yeah. The, uh, ingredients? <laughs> we split it into that. But, but burrito entrails. <laughs> but the main thing now is that I feel like the, the, ingredients, the ingredients that I get in the bowl make it cold regardless. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I, get, I get all of the cold ingredients. So it's yeah. always cold in a cold burrito to me. Nasty, cold bowl. Fine. Yeah. Feels like it's part of the yeah. part of the uh, the process. You know what I would 100 percent steal given the opportunity yeah. would be the guacamole. Oh, just like take the thing out of the just the vat. Oh, but, yeah. but it's it's free. For, That's for true. Us. If for for us, for yes, us, for us uh, fajita veggie yeah. uh, eaters. I do sometimes like it in the. Oh, it comes for though. free if it's you free, get yeah. a veggie bowl. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh-huh. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. You know what also is a steal, guys? Yeah. The entire catalog of N64 games on the Switch, <laughs> including well, Nintendo say, Legend Majora's before, Mask. Before, well, before we, I was actually going to say, just, just, just before we, we uh, skip past, just one last, I had a story of someone I knew that stole something. It was this <laughs> kid. Hard. It was this kid. Her name was Jules. Uh, no, no, no. It was this, <laughs> it was this kid. Uh, we called him Skull. And he found a salesman it, traveling. This is a uh, this is a fake story. Yeah. No, this this salesman. Really? No, I know. Selling, I know what he's gonna say. No, 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 no. This this, oh, yeah, this, yeah. this kid we know named Skull. He there was this salesman traveling, and mm. the salesman was selling masks. And uh, yes. and so our friend uh, Skull Skull Kid, we called him sometimes. Yeah. stole the masks, and so we're here today to talk about the morality. Yes. Of stealing masks. Right. That happened to be adapted into a game. True. Called Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask. <laughs> That's why I'm here. Um, yeah. Editor's yeah. note, Ladjack would like to formally distance himself <laughs> from that extended joke. Editor, editor's note, Lad Jimmy would like to get closer. <laughs> <laughs> would like to permanently associate himself and actually take credit for that joke. <laughs> Uh, welcome to Lads Who Pod. We are Lads Who Game. Thanks for uh, hanging out with us for 20 minutes before we start talking <laughs> about the thing we want. Uh, um, I I am Lad Robert. I'm Lad Jack. And I'm Lad Jimmy. And we are here today for uh, a very special episode. Nope. Uh, I think so. Last <laughs> last game of the season. Last I know game of the season. You say that every time. And they're all very special. <laughs> yeah. Every single episode. Every time I get to hanging out with my friends is very special. Yeah. And it's weird that you don't think that. <laughs> I just, I just, now telling. I just enjoy the banter of you saying, it's a welcome to a very special episode. And then just me quietly, nope. <laughs> <laughs> not special. Um, it's not special. Just we're, we're here today to talk about the, the last game of the season, uh, Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask. Um, some of you may have heard of it. Some of you may have heard of it. It's a, it's a classic. Mm-hmm. It's, I would almost say in some ways it's a cult classic. I would hundred percent in yeah, the Zelda fandom just yes. because it sort of fits a little bit different. But regardless, more often than not, rated one of the highest video games, uh, high, high, more 
the highest rated video games of all time. It's on many, like, at least top 20 lists. Yeah. Uh, and, and none of us had played it before. Yeah. Um, so we're here to talk about that. Uh, and I think, Jack, you have some. Yes, I do. So, um, like I said, some of you may have heard of this game. If you haven't heard of this game, um, The Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask is a Nintendo classic that's unlike any other Legend of Zelda adventure. adventure. In this shadowy tale, a masked skull kid drags Link, and also in the synopsis says Link TM, into the <laughs> world of Termina, where the moon is falling from the sky. Lucky for Termina, Link can reverse time and relive his last 72 hours in limitless ways. Each time, he'll don any of his 20-plus masks, help different citizens battle different bosses, and ultimately change the fate of a world. Um... Yeah, it's kind of a weird synopsis. I think, this I think it's really bold to say. I mean, I guess I don't know when that was written. That could have been written. Like, you know, the, okay, so I'll say this is actually written for The Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask 3D mm, from the Nintendo mm. website. I'm, uh, but gotcha. I, I think because I, I think it's like sort of bold to be like, like you've never played it before because this is the second 3D game. So like, yeah, it's mm. going to, of course, it's going to be like that. Yeah, <laughs> basically the long and short of it is, is like it's a time loop. Legend yeah. of Zelda yeah. game and where you're preventing an apocalypse. Also, also important to note, it is a, a, a essentially a direct sequel to Ocarina of Time. Yeah, yes, um, which 100%. is also rated very highly. In fact, even higher in a lot of ways. Yeah, uh, much, yeah, much yeah. higher. I mean, most people, a lot of people have this on their number one. Ocarina of Time is their number yeah. one. Yeah, easy definitely. top 10 for most people. I think it's definitely still, I think it's still on the IGN. Yeah, I for sure. So, yeah. I think Metacritic has it up there. It's so 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 this is quick. so this is a sequel to that. Importantly, it uses the same engine as yeah. well. Um, and then one thing we want to say is that we all played it on... Uh, the switches like N sixty four port thing that they that they brought out last year. So this is the N sixty four version. This is not the three D version that came out on the three DS. Or they don't. It's not enhanced. It's just three D. Right. That's what they call it. Uh, well, what do you mean by enhanced? Like, because you know how some of them they say, oh, enhanced edition is when they do like the remaster or whatever. Mm. Like, what is the 3DS version called? Is it I, just called? I think it's just three D. Three D. Yeah. Okay. But it, it's it's a it little more than a. Than a brush up, though they they change quite a few qualities. Totally, and and I think they probably did it in conjunction with the Ocarina of Time one. Well, we're going to talk about that at the end here. Um, but just for those listening, for things we talk about, we're referring to how we played it, which is the N sixty four version on the Switch. Do you want to hear something crazy? Yeah. Yes. So number one, actually, on the revised IGN list is Breath of the Wild. Wow. Ocarina of Time after they revised it is number thirty four. Wow. It's That's... really low. Man, I, well, that, gets back, to like the, that gets back to the whole question, which is kind of one of my main points, which is like, how do you review and rate and look at something that is now quite old? Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, do you judge it as, you know, as it was in the era that it came out? Or do you judge it, you know, against the entire history of video games? I think I clearly think, it looks like IGN did yeah, that. Yeah. I mean, I think like if you're, if you're talking about the graphics of a game from this, you're, yeah why like that's yeah. that's you know there's clear limitations but i do think that it's worth talking about a game in terms of like the capabilities mm-hmm. of the console at the time and yeah. how it effectively used that and i think that even looking at games like that for me they didn't effectively use that and they yeah. did things that other games were doing like a lot better yeah. um anyways before we get a little to it let's go around and give our lad rating here i'm starting with uh lad jimmy yeah i would love to so um i have a confession to make to the lads <gasps> as well as to all of our uh millions of adoring fans here i did not finish 
Majora's Mask. And the reason for me not finishing it is that um, as I kind of expected going into this game, as I was just kind of uh, talking about, I had a little trouble with some of the more dated qualities of this game. And there are certain things that I think we'll get into in terms of whether or not we can just chalk it up to being, you know, oh, dust on an old product versus like this was a bad decision at the time. But there's a few moments in this game where I genuinely did not enjoy playing it. And it really uh, killed my momentum in playing it uh, because of some, again, some of those more dated qualities. Um, having said that, there's also a lot of this game that I really enjoyed. I think uh, the the whole main gimmick of this Zelda game uh, is, I guess, twofold, right? You have the mask system, which is a little more standard, I think, mechanic-wise in a video game. You get power-ups based on various masks that you obtain. And then the more unique feature is the whole, you know, three-day time loop, uh, which constantly resets, uh, resets, you know, entire um, uh, storylines and uh, changes that you make to the world while you're questing, go back to the way they were at the beginning. Um, and that three-day three -day loop cycle thing that you continuously do throughout this game, I really did enjoy and I thought was super ambitious, especially for the time that it was made. Um, ultimately, I do imagine myself finishing this game. It's not like something that I'm like, I, I hated and I never want to go back to. Um, just, uh, just a game that I think um, did not age particularly well. Mm. I will say lastly, uh, before getting to my actual score, um, I was a little, I think, underwhelmed with the story. I thought like in particular for being one of the more iconic Zelda villains, Majora, you know, or Majora's mask, the evil spirit that in inhabits the mask here, that that image of the mask is really um, awesome. Uh, and I think it's an iconic, out. It's I think most people would recognize that image iconic, if you've yeah. ever played any video game. A hundred percent. And I was really bummed that like, it wasn't in the story that much. Like you see the mask at the beginning, you get your task, and then you don't really come across it that much until the end. And I thought that was kind of a mistake. I just think like when I when I think of all the Zelda games that I've played story-wise, this one might be at the bottom in terms of my like memorability, not the gameplay mechanic, but the, the story itself. I don't think there was much there that I was really chewing on, um, especially compared to other Zelda games. Even Breath of the Wild, which I know famously doesn't have a lot of uh, story. Um, Robert's already given me Heavens. looks here. Uh, with all of that <laughs> said, um, what's going to surprise everyone is that I'm landing on a 3.5 for this game. It's really high for everything you I know. said. I know, yeah. I, and, I don't know, scores are stupid, but that's the score that I'm giving Again, it. I will not hear this like our video games are stupid. <laughs> like we shouldn't, don't no, say like, that. And, but but to, to rate something, I know a lot of video game yeah. like review sites at this moment uh, or you know, in, in this day and age have like kind of maybe even gotten rid of their number scores. Um, sure. Cause it's kind of hard to like pin a number, but it is fun to do at the end of the day. I come down around a 3.5. I do think this is a good game. I do want to can finish it. Um, I think there's a lot of mechanics that were revolutionary. Maybe didn't age the best. We can talk about the merits of that um, as we go on, but yeah. Well, just to clarify, for, for those following along at home that have played this game, A, I think you said you want to finish it, but do you plan on finishing it anytime soon? Or is it more of just like, yeah, I kind of got what I want and maybe I'll visit it down the line. And then also, where did you get in the game? Okay, I got um, up and past the third temple. So. Okay. Uh, not looking at side quest stuff, which I did a quite a bit of that as well. I got through 
three fourths of the main story. I guess you would okay. yeah. count yeah. it roughly speaking here. So also just a it was a time constraint issue more than anything. That was the other thing too is okay. um, uh, with the school year starting. Like I just have been super busy, and because this game is difficult to play for a variety of reasons, um, some justified, some you know just like bad gameplay design. Um, it just was difficult to fit into my schedule to like try and get time yeah. to play it. Um, I think, I do think that while I totally acknowledge that you're busy, just in not in defense of this game, I feel like if it was a game that you liked more, you would have made time 100%. for it. 100%, yeah. I would I definitely like, make yeah. time for it if I liked it more. Yeah. Having said that, if, uh, if we played this over summer break, I would have 100% finished it. So yeah, so it's worth mentioning the time yeah. constraint. Yes. I, also, I think it's worth mentioning too, just because of what I'm going to say in a bit. But yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, oh, and to answer your question, I think within the the year, um, I'll, I don't know. I'll let you judge if that's like, you know, falls on the oh, you're going to play it quickly or not. But um, yeah, I, I would say like within the rest of this year here, so in, until the new year, um, I would like to finish it sometime in that hmm. time. I, it's, it's on my mind still. Like I haven't just like uh, tossed it to the side. Sure. Um, yeah, can't wait to talk more about it. Cool. Um, so I um, did finish the game, um, and uh, I, I gave it a three. I'll start out with that. And if you're listening to this, you know you have already seen our ratings, so this should not come as too much of a surprise to you. Um, but uh, I gave it a three for for a handful of reasons. And in, in going referencing the the text, uh, which is on our stories on Instagram to how we rate our games, things like that. Um, I, I think we, it kind of doesn't really fit in any of them for me mm -hmm. uh, because, and I give it a three and I'll, I'll read it. Uh, Truly average, notable shortcomings that meaningfully detracted from the overall experience. I don't regret playing it, but I would not play it again. Back half of that, don't regret playing it, but I would not play it again. 100% correct. I will mm -hmm. not play this game again. Mm -hmm. I'm really glad I did. It's mm -hmm. a classic. I think, I think, I'm sure we all feel that way that we're really yeah. glad we yeah. played it. Um, Notable shortcomings that meaningfully detracted from the overall experience. I think that's true. Um, in my DLC, I wrote about how I just kind of think Zelda games are not really for me, which I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit more here. That's part of it. But I think truly average is where I got a little bit hung up when giving it this rating because I don't think it's average. I mm -hmm. think that unlike Lad Jimmy, I actually think this is an incredible story. And I mm -hmm. think that there's a lot of stuff in there that I think is so uniquely dark and and really impactful in terms of like the story elements, I think majorly ahead of its time. Uh, yeah. I don't think there are a lot of video games that approach a subject like this that is both, you know, very kind of like scary and dark, but like really only if you think about it a little bit. It's not like a horror game that's mm -hmm. in your face, but there is a lot of really sad stuff here. I'm thinking of, and I can't remember the name of these characters, but like the little girl whose father got like turned into an undead, the, yeah, the basically, monster, yeah. yeah, and was like trapped in her house, like while her she had to lock her father away so that he didn't mm -hmm. like that, like stuff like that. I think the mask uh, Majora actually does play throughout the entire game, which we'll talk about in a second mm -hmm. in terms of like his appearance. But all that kind of stuff I think is really remarkable. And I think what makes Zelda good for me, like anytime I enjoy Zelda uh, games, it's because of these kind of elements. So I thought that was remarkable. It's the gameplay that I thought was like bad, actively mm. bad that I really didn't enjoy. So truly average, I think, if, I guess if you're balancing it out, but I do think that for me as someone who values 
like story and theme um, a lot. I think it kind of is this weird in between here, but uh, all this to say, uh, we'll talk about it more. Obviously uh, I give this game a three uh, and I'm happy with that rating. All right, now over to uh, nice. notable now, Zelda uh, hater. Yeah, I have so much to say. It was really um, glad you. It was really cowardly of you to put a lot of those statements in your uninterrupted monologue, <laughs> where I couldn't jump on it immediately. <laughs> but um, that's okay. I'll forgive you. Um, yeah. So okay, I just want to preface this with two quick things. Number one, I personally had a very emotionally wrought time playing this game. I really. If it's not already clear, I did not enjoy this game. And as a longtime Legend of Zelda fan, that made me quite upset. And that being said, I'm going to try to be like as measured throughout this podcast as possible. I feel mm -hmm. like I have some points that I want to make, especially as we get deeper, that are much more objective, mm -hmm. that speak to why I felt so emotionally about this game. But I'm not going to try to argue it from a place of just pure, I feel like shit playing <laughs> this game, you know, whatever. Um, the other thing I want to say, and the reason that I asked Jimmy about the time constraint issue is that I rage quit this game. I did not finish it because I put it down and said, no, no more. And I could not continue playing it. And not only was it really, I, I this sounds so hyperbolic, but like, I just really was super sad because The Legend of Zelda is what got me into video games, at least in the capacity that I am now. Yeah. And I'm such a big fan of the series. And before anybody clutches their pearls too much about this and writes it off as to being, oh, well, it's like an older game or whatever, I love Ocarina of Time. Mm -hmm. Like, I love, love, love that game. And there's just many elements of this game that do not live up to the same ideas that are explored in Ocarina of Time. Mm -hmm. And in terms of gameplay, in terms of story, which we'll talk about in more detail, et cetera. And I also, this is probably the spiciest part of my take. I really think that this game gets a lot of points for style and tone and not for substance. And that is something that as someone who works like, and has worked in like film and television and like that kind of thing, it really gets under my skin when movies, TV shows, any piece of content gets points for style and yet there's nothing going on underneath it. Hmm. It's like, oh, this movie looks really cool or this TV show looks really cool or has like a cool flashy style element. Like a really good example of this, even though I ultimately liked that sh the show when it was airing, um, the BBC Sherlock mm -hmm. got like a lot of style points for having like the text on screen. Like whenever they were like doing like a, a dossier or like text messages, it was like one of the first shows in, at least in Britain to do something like that. And it got a ton of points. And I was like, it doesn't really add anything. It's like kind of cool, but mm -hmm. you know, why are we celebrating it ad nauseum for, superimposed text, mm -hmm. you know? And I, I think that this game, because of its darker elements, like Lad Roberts said, and some of the edgier tone as compared to a lot of other Zelda games, I think it gets like a lot of extra points that make it like this cult classic that I just think are relatively unearned in my opinion. Mm -hmm. So all that said, and we'll talk a lot more in detail about everything that I said, uh, 2.5 out of five lads for me. The really key distinction in the language here is that I do think that this is a bad game. <laughs> like, I do think it is, there is more bad than there is good. However, I do see what they were going for. I just think it was not executed correctly. So I, I wouldn't, 
I, there's a lot of other games like um, off. This was off podcast, like God of War, and um, was it? It was Metroid Dread was my other two, mm-hmm. where I'm like, no, this is bad, and I don't even see what you were trying to do. Like sure. I was just like, this is. But this, I really was like, no, I, I get what you're going for. It just didn't work for me. Um, on an objective level and more personally on a subjective level because of my relationship with the series. So 2.5 out of wow. 5 lives. I, I have a really hard time calling this game bad. Yeah, like, I, think and, they, I think that's unfair. And I think that, I, I don't want to like say that you can't call Zelda bad, but like, that ah, man, Zelda is like an immortal franchise. And I, I think that, all of the games are at least decent to masterpiece level. And I'm I'm surprised and I'm excited to hear your objective yeah. takes because I I just I can get like why there are things that didn't work for you, but to call it outright like this is a bad game that is a claim that I am making, I think is Definitely the spiciest part of your take. I mean, there. I'm comfortable with that. I, <laughs> I, I think, I think, like for me, um, and if you, <laughs> no, I, I love it. I'm and I think it, just to be helpful, just sort of like shout out here. If you go to our Instagram uh, page at Lads Who Game, in our story highlights, we have the the way that we. Um, rate our games like we have language for each one that we set up at the beginning of the second season to say like okay mm-hmm. here's here's how we should sort of like rate these games so ch- check that out we also have like a lot of stuff about you know a little more detailed into this game once we get there yeah. but i also I, can i quickly jump in i'm yeah, sorry please. i just wanted to say um this again feels really hyperbolic but i i do say this from a place of like love i understand that this is like a very impactful game for a lot of people mm-hmm. so if anybody is listening to this and is like you know I don't mean to direct ire at you for liking this game. Like, if you love this game and this is, like, an important part of your childhood or your adult life or whatever... Go fuck yourself. (laughs) (laughs) No, I really... I I, Listen, we can joke about it, but I really want to impart, like, I don't mean any Mm -hmm. ill will towards anybody who worked on this game, anybody who loves this game. I just... Ultimately, our task and our goal here as a group is to review and to give our objective opinion but also our subjective opinion yeah. and my I feel that this is very much a 50-50 where I, I feel that I have 50% like here are my objective reasons why I think this doesn't work and yeah. then here's my subjective emotional feeling about it and that's why my rating is where it is so mm. it, I just want to say it's like I know that it can be this I just know that this game is really sacred it, a lot of people it ma- and it's I, controversial too. it matters mm-hmm. a lot to people and I am a big proponent of like art should matter to you mm-hmm. and uh, you know so I don't want it to come across as me being like openly disdainful totally. of anybody who likes it and I think that's I think that's fine though I, I I don't think Jimmy like I think you're like calling Zelda games like what is sacred what did you say I do, well I just said this game has a sacred quality in the Zelda franchise well I think you're you're immortal is, is the word that you use like oh, all, all immortal Zelda yeah. immortal franchise I would agree that it is um, for sure in the history books mm-hmm. uh, for all art right like I mean in yeah. a lot of ways I think in if you're including video games which you should in just sort of like the general art, you know, whatever. Zelda is top of that list, you know what I mean? With with like Mario, you know what I mean? Like they, they are the face of Even if you're of not video. a video game fan, you probably know what the yeah. legend of Zelda is. You're, you're, a, you're this, it's the face, you know, really essentially the face of, of video games in a lot of ways. Um, I, I think though that it is, it should not be without critique. I think 
think that there's a lot mm-hmm. of these games. I really did not like Ocarina of Time. I, yeah. I and I think that I'm coming a little bit of a, from a place where um, I just I don't think I really like Zelda games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I like the stories. I like the things that it did for just video games in general, but I just don't really like Zelda games. But even even with that, uh, I'm purely acknowledging that it is well-crafted. It is put together in a way that I think is like objectively good. Mm-hmm. It just really doesn't work for me. And I think so too- Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut no, you off no, no. Before, so, yeah. so, so it's interesting to hear from you, Jack, which are way more of a Zelda fan than mm-hmm. I am, and in really every way have this opinion. I yeah, think that's like well, super listen, interesting. I think that, and sorry, I know you were about to say something too. Sure. I just all I want to say is to your point, I don't person. It's just a personal belief for me. I don't believe anything should be infallible artistically. Yeah. yeah. You know, I remember when Hamilton was like really at the peak of its fame, you know, mm-hmm. there were people who were like, if you even raised one specter of like, well, I don't really like that one bit, people would, you know, go animal on you. And mm-hmm. it's like, no, like nothing is without critique. And again, I think I've said this on the podcast before, like your perfect version of something is not going to be the same as my perfect version of something. And yeah. that's where subjectivity and the beauty of subjectivity come in. And so yeah. it's like, I don't believe in anything being purely infallible. But, like, I acknowledge that The Legend of Zelda has earned a lot of the benefit of the doubt from me, which I hope speaks to why I feel so strongly about this. I think um, to draw a distinction maybe between where uh, you and I are coming from, Jack, I think it's especially helpful considering we both didn't finish the games. But I want to make it clear, like, for it seems like very different reasons. Yeah, I mean, Um, I was right up at the one yard line. You know, like I had one level left. But I I think that almost speaks more to it of like, you got that close and you're like, no, I will not finish. Did you, 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 Jimmy, you watched the ending. I did watch the ending to be prepared. You did not, Jack? I vaguely know the ending just from I did not watch the whole thing. Um, And I really want to say again because I just really had no personal investment the in the story. Really I think I think when you and uh, uh as we always say full spoilers for this yes. if that's not super clear um uh when you get to the moon mm-hmm. and you are in that valley with the tree which with I'm the sure tree. you know yeah. Yeah, I've the seen this image, image yeah. that, mm-hmm. uh that blew me away yeah and into that into that moment in the the kids sitting there yeah. on the tree with the mask yep. and even as someone who at that Shocked. point was like let's get on with it kind of thing that ending and even that last boss battle mm-hmm. i thought were was easily for me like a highlight of the game yeah and i think it's like that is where it earns to me i imagine it's like legendary status yeah. in those like final moments that being said i don't think either of you would have changed your ratings if you finished the game like because because no. of, yeah. of what i know yeah. what you didn't like about the game yeah but i do think like for me as someone who was purely grasping at the story and like yeah. thematic stuff that definitely potentially bumped it up so if we talk about tone and stuff too i really um want to maybe push back on what you were saying about sure. like you know the tone it, it's over it's dark and and whatnot and i do think it's dark but i think what one of the things that i really liked about this game is that um it did 
go against my expectations in that I had a lot of different environments and like visually and visually tonally speaking were different across the board. I mm-hmm. thought it was going to be overwhelmingly like dark and depressing, like the, the town of Termina. Oh yeah, no, dark. I think it has levels for sure. But like, like, you know, the jungle area, the, you know, the uh, Great Barrier, like they have a lot of different um, uh, areas that provided a lot of diversity. I don't think I was expecting this game. I thought mm-hmm. it was going to I thought it was going to be like, oh, this is the Halloween yeah. Zelda game, you know? <laughs> I, and I liked that it was different. And I think that that moment that you just referenced, Robert, with the tree in the valley w- was the best example of that. And well, capped it. Like, you expect, I'm going to go on this moon and I'm going to see some fucking twisted shit or whatever. And it is twisted, but in a very, like, different visual yeah. visual way that I think was great. I have to say, and this is, again, shit on me for it. Like, I watched that and was like, oh, fuck, I wish I had seen that in playing it, which totally my fault. But I think it's cool that like, oh, dang, here's a game that I was like maybe even writing off a little bit of like, oh, it's going to end this way. And then like at the last moment had a really cool thematic. Yeah. Well, should we narrow this down? And like, oh, do we want to talk just about the story in general? Since no, I, I, I think we should get a little more specific. But okay. like, I think just to like cap this off and then we can go to, you know, themes or, or whatever we want to talk about. I, I, I want to say that I think, and maybe this can be the first thing we talk about, I think your claim, Jack, that it's sort of like an all-style, no-substance kind of thing. Am I, am I well, I don't want to be overly that? hyperbolic, but Mostly I, I think that this game gets a lot of credit for being very stylistically different from a lot of Zelda games. Yeah. That's I don't mean that it's there's no substance anywhere in the game. I just think that Holding it up to other entries in this in the um, the franchise to me really revealed how much this game earns by virtue of its style. And yeah. I, I actually think that's an absurd claim because okay. I think I think there is like more substance in this game than I've played in any of the Zelda games hmm. in terms in just in terms of like story and like thematic uh, elements. So that's like so shocking. But, but let's let's talk about and it. And I do- fall right in the middle of it. <laughs> <laughs> what, what's the, what's the, where, where do we want to start? Can we start, can we please start with like just the story and I, that's where I, and yeah, I, let's, and let's dive into I it. imagine that we'll talk primarily about like story <laughs> gameplay, right? Or, yeah, sure. Yeah, I yeah. feel like those are really the two big yeah. facets of it. Yeah, so um, I'm curious, Robert, because you, you Going off what you just said, you feel like that this has a lot more depth, I assume you mean, in its story. Totally. And and maybe I'll kick us off by thinking, like, I think that this game is sandwiched between two really in-depth story moments. And I think that the the way that they fit all of the temples into that story feel a little um, out of place and not really well-stitched into the story. And I think, like, the thing that stood out to me is, like, all the boss battles felt very, like, singular and not a part of the overall narrative. For example, in the um, the second one, what's the, the Goron area? Yeah. The snow temple. Uh, Snowhead. Yeah. yeah. That boss battle with Goat? Gort? Got. Got. <laughs> you have the mechanical... I loved the battle. I don't understand at all why there is the a mechanical large goat. mechanical yeah. bull. Yeah. Totally. And I think that that is something that Zelda traditionally has done very well. Um, and I think not to make this a Twilight Princess podcast, but I think Twilight Princess does stitches their temples expertly into the story. Um, and I think that that's something that really took me out of this game was that like, man, the entire middle section of this game for the main story seems detached from the overall narrative. It's just like the mask made bad things happen, right? Point one for me on um, style over substance, where it's like, yeah, very cool mechanical God, whoa, weird. Mm-hmm. 
why? And I think that like, like it doesn't hold up. I think it's especially exposed when you have the beginning of this game be so cool, yeah. falling into a hole into this mysterious land. You have the happy mask salesman, which is easily my favorite character in the game. Um, yeah, the intro has, is great. Have you seen the end of the game with him too? Uh, no, I didn't watch it. Very cryptic, and I don't. I would love to talk about this. Maybe <laughs> I missed something, but he like just fucking disappears out into the abyss when he oh, walks wow. away <laughs> from you. Like I wanted to know what this guy's deal was and they never tell you and i like that a lot i i think that my one of my big critiques with zelda games as a whole and i mean it's not a critique of zelda game it's just sort of like oh this is why i don't like this is because a majority of the gameplay is your your dungeon crawling or, or doing not crawling but you're doing a puzzle right yeah. you're it's you have these however many you know it's anywhere from four to like a million or whatever like temples that you're going through and it's these puzzle things and I always feel even even in games like Twilight Princess that they're very standalone they exist solely within its own kind of like box that you're doing and then at the end of it you get the thing that fits in with the main story right so to your point mm -hmm. Jack like and at everyone's point like it doesn't really make sense that this is there but I kind of think none of it makes sense in the Zelda world right oh, it's all it's all invented firm, firmly disagree but on, like like but. you know like the, like why 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 do the 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 Zora live so close to the Goron in this really tight castle like things are there because they're there and that's just something I think that you do in video games you sort of have to like hand wave a little bit and so I feel like that temple having this like mechanical bull thing is not entirely relevant to the story itself but you need to beat the dungeon to get that sort of like mm. ending of every dungeon I hear where what you're saying but I think what what I would differentiate is that I think I appreciate the effort that other games go to, even if, in your opinion, they don't work successfully. I appreciate the effort that the other games go to in trying to make the dungeon feel like it's somehow part of the story or the world. Like a simple example is like, I really love an Ocarina of Time in the second half of the game where you're awakening the sages mm -hmm. in each temple and it like connects back to this like larger thing where it's like you have to go into this sacred space awaken someone's destiny as part of a sage and to sort of the larger narrative. Whereas this one doesn't really try. Mm -hmm. And it has like the little touches of like the weird head men with the legs, you know, <laughs> who are like eventually going to stop the moon and everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What's the, what's the difference? Well, the difference is that the one in Majora's mask is like not really set up in any kind of interesting way. It's just like, Oh, weird head man with legs, uh, speaking different language. Tattle is saying that they're going to help maybe, whereas the other one really connects nicely to a lot of Link's childhood memories where he's like awakening Saria as a sage. And, mm -hmm. you know, she has that speech when she's awoken about like, I didn't realize that my destiny was entwined with you in this way. And I'm glad that we didn't, you know, there's like emotional nuance to it as opposed to just sort of slapping on this sort of, ah, yes, that's the kind no, of yeah, spirits class. in the mountain. Well, go help the spirit. Type well, I don't, thing. well, but that, I think and that's, I think, Sorry, no, no, I, I think that um, I, I think that in Twilight Princess, which fans, I will be saying this all all day <laughs> here, is that that will be my Zelda game of reference because I, yeah. I think that in most all cases in that game, those temples aren't just go to point A, point B, and point C. Even though fundamentally that's what you're doing because you're collecting, you know, at first uh, the uh, Minda's mask thing and then the mirror shards. Oh, the fused shadows. Fused shadows. Yeah. Thank you. Um, even though that is fundamentally what you're doing, I feel like 
in that like, you know, the the forest temple, it's like, oh, the forest that you live next to has been abducting children and causing monsters to get closer to Ordon and stuff. And you're going in as like the hometown hero to stop that evil. Um, Goron Mountain is like the, the town is a ghost town because of the, you know, the recent volcanic activity that's been going um, haywire here. Like it just, right, the fact that the elder is the final boss because right. he's been like corrupted by the future. He went he's in like to chained up, right. He know? went in to stop it and got chained up. As a, it just does a little bit more to bring it into the story rather than be like go collect spirit A, B, C, and D from the four you know, I think surrounding that some of this stuff really does live and die <clears throat> by the nuance. Like it's worth mentioning that yes, while fundamentally. What Majora's Mask is doing is the same idea. Yeah. It's just lacking, like, just a slight bit more finesse that some of the other games, I think, do really well. Yeah. That it, to me, because I agree with you, I do think that the dungeons in this game in particular really stick out like sore thumbs. And I'm like, oh, I'm in puzzle room A, puzzle room B, as opposed to some of the other ones where I feel like I'm more able to hand wave it, like you're saying, and like feel that sort of seamlessness. Mm -hmm. I, I really appreciate almost how picked out they feel because I think that in every other iteration of Zelda, and I haven't played a lot of Zelda games, but in the ones that I've played, I always feel like the sort of, the, it is Force, these, these story elements that you're talking about with Ocarina, it feels like, yes, it does connect back to Link, but why? Like how, I mean, it's just, it's just, you know, it feels like one of those things where, oh, it really, really glad that Link just happens to be, you know, connected to all of these people in these, like these ways, which I think is like not a crutch. I mean, it, it is, it is what the game is, but I find that more boring than something like Majora's Mask, where it does feel a little bit separate. It, it is this sort of like ominous thing that like you don't have an understanding of. And then if you look at each individual temple, even though they're a little like, separate from the main story itself, in that sort of like self-contained thing, there's kind of a lot going on. And, you know, to be fair, I know there's a lot of like theories out there, some of which I think are stretching like super, super thin to try and draw like, you know, sort of like religious uh, comparisons to like, you know, like the Old Testament. I've read a lot, I'm sure you've read, oh read God, what? You no, read, yeah. Do you read I a lot read. of crazy stuff? I'm gonna send you guys an article after this that my friend sent to me. It's insane some of the stuff that people are drawing, but I find that way more interesting to me when it is sort of like picked out in a very intentional way because every other version of Zelda, it still to me feels very like, here's puzzle room A and then they just kind of like, oh, here's how it connects. I'm trying to it doesn't feel organic. I'm to trying me. to understand your argument. Are you saying that you the the picked out elements of the way that dungeons work in Zelda where they always feel stuck out of place works for you when the game acknowledges that they are very stuck out. Yes. That's insanity. Like, <laughs> because what is that? You're saying that as long as like the game is like tongue in cheek about it and like winking at you from behind the game design, like that makes the story feel more seamless. I think it justifies the fact that it is a puzzle game. I don't think it makes the game more seamless. I'm saying it's like here Zelda, the the Zelda games happen outside of the stories happen outside of the dungeon all of the things Not all of the always things, though well it does though you're if you think about it like let's see and maybe breath that, of the wild is like a bad example but just for the sake of this let's talk about breath of the wild yes you're collecting these uh, uh the the divine beasts right you're mm -hmm. you're summoning the divine beasts to sort of like help with you you don't need to do that 
that doesn't need to happen. The goal is to get to Hyrule Castle to save to save Zelda and beat Ganon. And when you're up in those dungeons, you're not progressing the story within the dungeon. The whole time, you're sort of trying to unlock the divine beast there. So the game the game happens yeah, outside of those. Well, you're trying well, to clear uh, the beasts of corruption so that you can then set the spirits of your dead friends free to help you and finish your quest. Like there's a lot of detail. And, in and again, just to be clear, and it's fine if we disagree on this, and maybe that you know maybe that's just what it's going to be. But like I think that in the best Zelda games, fundamentally, I disagree with the idea that those uh, dungeons don't have a story in and of themselves, let alone a story that connects to the broader narrative. And I think, it just sounds like we disagree on this, but like the fact that Majora's Mask largely doesn't have that, like bothered the hell out of me. Or at least made me think that it was less impactful. I'm saying that they do have a story in the, but that it's, specific to the dungeon itself. Each dungeon, I acknowledge, has a story. Whether that works or not, I think, mm -hmm. is like, you know, up to uh, tons sure. of debate. I do think that they have the stories within them. I find it annoying when they try to connect that to the outside world when it's just so clear for me, and this is very personal, but every time I get into one of those dungeons, I'm like, time for dungeon A of this game. And so I like it when- But that you're saying, seems you're, like- there, There's a story happening outside now it's time to play a dungeon, and if and this is the but, first. Like I feel, I like it when they feel more like side quests because I think they're the most boring parts of the game. I, I feel like it feels like a very uncharitable read of the dungeons to think of them of, as like puzzle room A, B, and C. I mean, yes, there's a puzzle, but it is a game ultimately, and I think that many dungeons. I applaud them for not feeling like puzzle room A, B, C, D, or but that, but they, they yeah, that's what they are. It's a big puzzle box. Sure, but like that's the main mechanic of the dungeon, and also like they, I think at least subjectively, they do a good job of having a story that makes it not feel so just you know surface level puzzle room A, B, and C, whatever. I think we have to agree to disagree, but it's really I just wanted to say it's just it's interesting. I hear what you're saying, but it is funny to me that it's like. You're, it's like the issue is, I hate that it feels like a puzzle box. As long as they acknowledge that it's just a puzzle box, that makes it okay. Whereas so many other games really endeavor to mask that. Mm -hmm. Forgive the pun, but like, yeah. you know, they try to like weave it in. And it's like, it's that to me shows when they do that, it shows effort. It shows like interesting narrative artistry you know, a real sense of like intentionality in terms of design, because you really have to be thinking about how the puzzles feed into that story. Mm -hmm. But it's interesting to me that it feels like that works against you for you, even though your issue is what Majora's Mask does, which is that they just are introducing them as puzzle because, rooms. Because I think there's mm. too many puzzles in Zelda, from my personal preference. I, I think like, and I get that that's the game, and that's why I don't yeah, really like yeah. Zelda games, but I think they're, because it is, it's here's the temple. The temple is the puzzle box, right? Yeah. That they, they separate it intentionally. In the games that try to mask that, which I do agree is a better approach, which is, which is why I like games like, say, Fallen Order, or even like yeah. Uncharted a lot more than I like Zelda games, which I know- Uncharted is a really good example of like how it feeds, the puzzles feed into the story. Because, because they're like- But they're, they're one-offs. They're one-offs and they're broken up. And I think it's like, that's what I really crave in a video game that's a puzzle, is that you're, they feel like there's these one-offs that are like, 
on the way to the next thing. And there's maybe there's more like combat in between. There's something like that. And so for Zelda, where they have these like boxes where it's like, here's a giant, giant puzzle, maybe some like mini bosses in between, Mm -hmm. but for the most part, it's puzzles. I just think that's, I don't like that. I find that like boring. And so if we're going to say that this is what you're doing in the Zelda games is have these puzzle boxes and have that be the real main mechanic of the game in a lot of ways, I would rather it just highlight it, feel like it's separate and not try and connect it versus the other way. Yeah, it's just tough because I feel like that's what Majora's Mask does, as we've been saying. And I feel like it suffers because there are hours of gameplay where I'm not doing something that feels at all connected to the broader narrative. I know that, like, again, it has the window dressing of you're freeing this spirit, like face like monster guy. Yeah, yeah. But like that is it. That's all they do. And then it's just, you know, uh, some random issue that again it's I mean, like it's man I, all, I mean i just that's so weird to me because i think it's kind of all oh you're just feeling freeing the spirit but again I, that's why i bring up i think that it is worth differentiating based on nuances like it's not yeah because i agree with you it is the same idea like this freeing the sages freeing leg face monster guide getting the fused shadow like it is the same idea but there is it's worth talking about the very fine details that go into each of those things that make them feel separated to me. Particularly, I think Ocarina of Time is a really good example because, again, with the forest temple and finding out that Saria is the forest sage is something that is planted over 10 hours earlier in the gameplay's narrative. So it's Mm -hmm. not just slapped on. It's like developed and set up in a way that makes that reveal feel emotionally impactful. I do think it is set up earlier, but I do think that it is just a slapped on reveal. Like I, I, it's hard, it's hard, but that's, it's hard to draw that connection to me. That's what I'm saying. I think there's more nuance in not drawing a direct line to the main story because then Mm. it just sort of feels like this sort of ethereal kind of like odd thing that's happening within the world of Zelda versus being like, here is the line to the main story. I don't know if I, I, that feels very antithetical to the idea of like, how can something be planted and paid off but feel slapped on at the same time? Like that feels like an oxymoron to me. Well, I, I feel I feel like you don't hear about her until you get to the end, and then I, I, to me, and you know, maybe Except maybe for the I scene on the bridge. Maybe I didn't like right right forest. at the beginning. You 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 meet her. You see her on the bridge, and then you leave, and then you go through the puzzle room, and at the end, it's like, oh, it turns out I was like the forest sage. There's you're missing a huge gap there for me. And maybe I maybe I read it wrong. Maybe I like I missed something in there. But it, it feels to me like well, Sheik also has that thing in the beginning when you go into the temple where she says or he, but you know Zelda, he they have the day. Well, Sheik, wait, Sheik is so bad. <laughs> oh brother. <laughs> if you he's been in Super Smash Brothers for like <laughs> decades. Um, Sheik has that. I don't remember the exact wording, but um, references that you're gonna find like a friend in the temple. Mm. Oh, okay. I mean, like there are, I mean, every single time you have that little conversation with Sheik, what um, Sheik is saying pertains directly to the sage that you find in the temple. Like when you go to um, find all the Zoras frozen, um, Sheik talks about like childhood crushes and like how like the passion of youth gives way to like unbridled admiration and like that's exactly princess ruta i think is her name mm. in ocarina it's like she had like that funny crush on you as a mm. child you know when you're doing jabu jabu and then it's like 
no, now you guys are like, we're heroes of the realm. Like we have to put aside this childish fantasy. Well, they're, they're like married too, right? They, that, that was the whole thing. They're like, I'll let you go out on your own. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> I, think like, it's I worth, just think there's, no, those are the nuances that I'm talking about that Majora's Mask lacks for me. And I think it's worth noting, even though I don't know if this is exactly an argument you're making, but I think it's interesting that like our um, Ocarina does all that. And yeah. I agree with you, Jack, and you're position on Ocarina doing it well, and that comes before Majora. So I think that it's important to note that I feel like it's unfair to like say for Majora, not that you're saying this, but like, it's unfair to say that, well, Majora's an old game, so like they didn't have to do that, they couldn't do that. Well, the game that came out two years before them, or it's whatever it was, no, no, I, 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 I know you're not saying that, but yeah. just I think for the sake of the argument, like th that there are some things that I think can be hand-waved as being just outdated and old and they didn't have the, you know, knowledge to make it happen back then versus stuff that they could have done. It's also worth noting, I will say, in defense of Majora's Mask, they had so little time to make this game. Sure. And I, so I understand that. However, it doesn't, I don't think it's an excuse. I think I, it was, I don't think it was, I, I don't think it was because the game is old. I don't think it, and I don't think it was because a lack of time. I yeah. think it was all very intentionally designed. I think they did some fun things with the the 72 hour loop to sort of like save time from like yeah. a design perspective to help, yeah. you know? And, I, and my understanding is that they made Majora's Mask with the same engine as Ocarina of Time because they were kind of like, fuck, we spent so much time building this, we should at least get a little yeah. more use out of it. Mm -hmm. And then so they did all this stuff, which yeah. I think is brilliant, like from a design perspective. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, I I don't think it has anything to do with like the time that it came out or anything like that. I think, I think it was all very intentionally designed and I liked it. And I think actually, um, it's interesting because I feel like, and correct me if I'm wrong, as bigger Zelda fans, that like Majora's and Breath of the Wild are very like, not Zelda games in a lot of ways. Like yeah. if you're like a Zelda purist or whatever, like those I, games. I, I think not, that Majora okay. is definitely a Zelda game. I think Breath of the Wild is singular in the entire catalog as being different. Point two for me on style versus substance, um, which I just, well, I'm just gonna keep tallying yeah. through as we talk. Sure. This is what I mean again, is that Majora, cause I agree with you, Jimmy. I think Majora's Mask is very classic Zelda mm -hmm. in terms of gameplay. Yeah. And in terms of what you're doing, but it gets a lot of points for being quote unquote different from most Zelda games by virtue of tone and style elements. Well, I, th I think, and I write about this in my DLC, the Zelda formula, and I think that um, Majora follows the formula to a T. I think that, yeah. but I think that cool. the the gimmick of this one, and I, and I get, this is what might be confusing to anyone listening is like, I'm, I'm especially in my DLC, it sounds negative. I like the Zelda formula. And I think the gimmicks are, what makes okay, Zelda, Zelda has gone like something. a negative. Let me finish. Yeah, sorry. I think that the gimmick of this game is the is twofold: the masks and the time reversal. But those are gimmicks, and fundamentally, in this game, you are still playing a very clear Zelda game. Okay, but there's no Zelda. There's no Ganon, and there's no Triforce. Sure, I guess I'm talking on a I, on a mechanic. That's that's style over substance. Yeah, I'm talking on a mechanic level. There are a, numerous things that I write about in my DLC and you can go and view on our website <laughs> that are lifted and placed in other Zelda games, both before and after this one. Right, but in, in every Zelda game, you have a lot of those things that you're talking about, the Zelda formula. Yeah, the Zelda but, formula. But, you know, if we're saying that every game has those like sort of like elements there, what, what differentiates Zelda games from other ones? And so I, I think 
to, I, I, I kind of hear what you're saying. I, I think there's more substance, but I hear what you're saying that style plays a big part in why this feels different. Yeah. But I don't, are, are you saying that that's a bad thing? No, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm fine for, um, you know, tonal departures in games. Like I'm trying to think of a good example of like a franchise that where one game stands out because of that. But like, that's fine. I, I don't mind cool tonal elements like that. I just think that it gets more, they get a lot of mileage out of those the people who love this game as like a cult classic and talk about the reason they love it is because it's so different from other Zelda games. I would point to Jimmy's DLC about like, no, it's literally the exact same. It yeah. follows the formula to a well, team. Some- the only reason it's different is because of tonal and style elements that, in my opinion, don't hold up to moderate scrutiny. And I think some sometimes throughout the Zelda franchise, the you know, yes, they all follow the Zelda formula, and sometimes the style is is more traditional and sometimes it's more different. I think Wind Waker is one that still very much follows the Zelda formula, but also is like, there's a huge, vast open sea, and it's very different from like a yeah, traditional- Yeah, talk about style elements, yeah. you know, that work. Yeah, totally. Whereas like Twilight Princess, again, I, my favorite Zelda game, is super familiar to an ocarina, or in the sense that it's like a, you know, yeah. medieval fantasy kingdom or whatever. Um, yeah. <laughs> I feel, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I guess we'll just sort of have to like agree to disagree about mm-hmm. that. Um, well, let's, let's talk a little bit about, um, oh, I think. Sorry, I have one more thing that might maybe segue us into gameplay if that's where you were That was, yeah, like combat gameplay. Is so far in this conversation, I feel like I've been more on Jack's side and critiquing it, and I think maybe this might be where I go over to Robert's side here. I, as much as I, as much as I don't like how tonally and story-wise and all that, these temples fit into the game, and I think it makes it less impactful overall, I still did enjoy playing them for the most part. Um, yeah, and I still, that's not on my side. Okay, cool. Never now you're on your own island. I did enjoy that. I still enjoyed it as a Zelda game, I just think it's less, um, it, it's less, it stands out to me less than I was expecting based on what I've heard about this mm, game. I think yeah. it is a little more of like a, yeah, it's a Zelda game. Definitely isn't in my top three favorite. Yeah. Um, but I know Jack, you really I, do. Oh, I also, it. I'm so sorry. I just realized I wanted to bring up one other thing about narrative. Mm-hmm. If we could sure, squeeze yeah, it in. I'm yeah. sorry, I just realized, but um. I just want to talk about what you were saying earlier, Jimmy, about how you felt like Majora's Mask didn't play much of a part in the plot, like as a villain, you know? Yeah, to clarify, like, he is what has, or it has, the spirit is what is making all this happen. Yes. And I get that. It's just, I guess- Oh, no, I agree with you. Yeah, and I I guess Majora's Mask is just a little more in the background rather than where I would like it to be, which is like- constantly no, I, being I, perceived threat. I agree with you. I think that one thing that a lot of Zelda games does that is really smart is they have a, um, I, I would, Skyward Sword, um, Twilight Princess do this really well where they have a smaller antagonist mm-hmm. who shows up to contend with Link, Girahim, and um, Zant. Zant. Yeah. And then gives way to the bigger batter fish like Ganondorf Conversely, Ocarina of Time, you contend with Ganondorf a couple of times throughout the story before your final encounter with him. So I think that also works great. I agree with you. I think part of the story elements that really drove me nuts in Majora's Mask is that you're kind of just going from each section and they're just talking about how Skull Kid and by virtue of Skull Kid, Majora's Mask fucked everything up. Mm -hmm. 
And you kind of just get that in like XYZ number of ways as you progress through the story until the final confrontation. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> so wrong. Okay. I, I think I, I, I think the most brilliant part of this game and why I think it works way better than a lot of other Zelda games that I've played or really a lot of other games that I've played is that it's you're right in that Majora and Skull Kid do not have a little literal presence most of the time. It's a thematic presence that's throughout the entire thing because Skull Kid is uh, I don't know if Skull Kid's good. Uh, necessarily, I don't think we get mm. too much time with Skull Kid like yeah. over the course of like you know the Zelda franchise. Uh, and if there's some history Zelda nerd out there that wants to correct <laughs> us, please do so. But I don't think Skull Kid is inherently well, like well, you meet Skull Kid in Ocarina, right? But yeah. I, I don't think inherently that they're bad. Sure. I think they're maybe a little bratty in Ocarina or yeah. whatever. But like who knows? Skull Kid is being. Uh, is is a puppet, as right. Majora says. Mm -hmm. Skull Kid is a puppet, and so all of these things that are happening because of this are because of this sort of like emotional and physical like overtaking that's happening to Skull Kid. Mm -hmm. And throughout the entirety of Majora's Mask, that's happening to everyone there. Yes, Skull Kid and Majora has some sort of like physical impact on like darkness and stuff like that, but all of these little like sort of storylines that happen with it, a lot of it is revolving around fear. Mm -hmm. And that's what Majora's doing. So, so, so Skull Kid does play a presence because of all this stuff and because of all the things that are happening in the world. It's how the people are maybe misinterpreting things or maybe approaching things differently because of fear of something. For some people, it may be the literal moon that is about to like crash into the world. For some people, it's like the, the acting strange because they fear that their father might like eat them or whatever. So I think that like, what Majora does and how Majora has a presence in the game without actually physically being there is sort of making people afraid, right? The, the, this moon is happening and is making them question everything that's going on because it doesn't last like 72 hours of their lives. And so they're sort of like acting differently. And I think that's just the general like thematic point of the game. It's it's Majora, it's the control that someone can have over someone and what that does to how they sort of like interact I with would the have world. Maybe liked and and maybe you can write this off as like, oh, you want it like fed to you too much, which I would disagree with, but I, I would have liked for Majora like maybe to more clearly demonstrate the this Majora wants that outcome and like wants to establish fear. Like he does it, I guess, but like, I don't know, like what, what is, I don't think, I don't necessarily think he does. I'm just saying that's sort of like a result of what he wanted to do. Okay. But, but that's separate then from like the character of Majora's mask. And this is just like a byproduct of his existence. But I think that's more terrifying. And I think that, yes, maybe that's a little bit more like stylistically, but mm -hmm. I think the fact that Majora doesn't even really care about the individuals and like what happens to them necessarily, right? Majora mm -hmm. just wants the world to end, right? Like yeah. that's mm -hmm. kind of like his ultimate goal. And so I think that he does not, he doesn't even care and doesn't need to bother with the people that are going on, the things that are going on because he's already got it, right? He's he's won. At the start of the game, he thinks he's won essentially, right? Mm -hmm. And it's just this sort of like re repetitive, like 72 hour clock to sort of like stop yeah. that from happening. but. I think that's way more interesting to me than than you know someone coming down and 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 sort of like interacting and I, and I think Ganon is 
an incredible villain and character. And yeah, I actually yeah. really like the Ganon stuff in Aquaman. And I'm not saying that's like bad or like worse or whatever. I just think that for the, this particular game, having, you know, having Majora and Skull Kid sort of just like, all right, I'm setting this off and I'm going to go away for a long time and seeing how that creates chaos within yeah. the world is enough for me. I, I hear you on those thematic elements. I just don't know why it precludes more scenes between Majora's mask and Skull Kid and Link. Like, why does it have to be one or the other? Because, well, I, I think it's just, uh, I, I just think that's like more interesting that that he doesn't like, sh- he doesn't like, um, like he just like come down and be like, it's all going to plan. Let me like, I, well, that would be a bad way of doing it. I don't need it to be, it, again, but... this is what the, I think is worth discussing about nuance is that it's like, I don't need it to be like ham-fisted, like, you know, um, shoehorned in. I just, it's just funny. I just don't see why it has to be one or the other. And it, it feels like, a, again, to my point about the rating where I was like, I feel like I see what they were going for, but mm. I just think it didn't work. It's like, I don't understand that artistic choice to what, just focus on that. What would be what would be your sort of ideal way for Majora to come back? I just wish that we had a little more insight into like what Majora was trying to accomplish why Majora was trying to accomplish this. Like, it's just like an evil, chaotic force that just wants, I guess, to end... Oh, Siri, you're not invited. Uh, Just wants to end the world for the sake of ending the world. And like... What is Ganon doing? Well, Ganon... I mean, pick a game, I guess. But Ganon is like questing after power over the entire kingdom or whatever. Um, uh, was, to is that on much, high? Like, well, yeah. what, I mean, is that much different? Well, well I, I think it's a purpose that you can clearly like latch onto. Whereas, I want to destroy the world. I want to rule the world. Yeah, I mean, I I, know, they're both very like. Oh, no, 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 wait, me. hang on. I got a big thing about this because that I really think that I've, we've talked about this before, mm-hmm. Jimmy. Like, I really think that like apocalyptic villains, like villains who want to just destroy everything, are really tricky mm-hmm. because it's a motivation that does not make sense. On paper, can I just like say, why would you want to kill the world that you live in? Can I just say too, it just yeah. it, like Majora's lack of a clear like goal, just chaos for the sake of chaos, is what I thought in this iteration was just a little boring. Like it's, it just like I get all the fear stuff and that's cool, but I don't think of that as Majora. And I guess what I'm saying is like Majora as a primary antagonist, like doesn't stand out to me as being memorable because it's just like all right, I guess we see him in the beginning, and the end. Want to vaguely destroy everything. Yeah, and ruling, I think, is at least a more, it's like, from a just pure logic standpoint, it's like, yeah, there are people who seek power. Like, I understand that on paper. I think that's kind of like the point a little bit, that the antagonist is fear. And the antagonist is this sort of, like, chaos that happens. Because when you actually end up do meeting Majora and have that that battle with with him, it, it, it's, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of like a little crazy and he's, it, it's kind of like just dancing around and like, it doesn't even seem like hell bent on like having a fight with Link in a lot of ways. It's sort of just like, it's there and it's like, yep, this is all happening. Well, I don't care if I live or I die. Have- I just kind of want this thing to happen. And that's like, that's, I'm not saying that that's better than a more direct like thing, but I do mm-hmm. think it's really fascinating and why it's I fine. really liked it. I think it's fine. Do we ever find out in that scene that we were referencing earlier that we both really liked with the tree and the Majora's mm-hmm. mask on the kid person under the tree? Yeah. Do you find out anything about who that person is? I don't think I so. I think that would have been interesting. Is it? Oh, I kind of like that. Is it that not it's, Skull Kid? 
It's not no, Skull oh, Kid. It's not. I it, thought it, it might have like it's like I thought it might have been the mask. It looks like oh. a Hylian because there is pointed ears. Oh, and I was wondering if it was the mask salesman. Oh, could oh. be. Maybe. And especially because the mask That's salesman is this very ominous presence in the beginning, and in the end, when the mask salesman gets Majora's mask back, and then literally disappears as he's walking off with no explanation as to what that means. I, I, I think it's, I think it's interesting to. Th- think about. I just feel like any conclusions we draw about Majora is like us meeting it halfway, which I'm not saying is necessarily a bad thing, but like it just, for me, I, I guess subjectively, it doesn't lend itself to being particularly. And, think, and I think that's nuanced. So that's what I think is like nuanced. Nuance, I think it was the substance or the style over substance. I think to there, your point, it's like, that feels to me like touches of ambiguity I really like, especially at the end of the story. Like, I really like the mass salesman fading out. Like, that's really, I love, oh, I don't need an answer to that. That's just creepy and interesting. Sure. To your point, Robert, I think that the ambiguity around a villain's motivation doesn't feel like the right spot for that kind of nuance and subtlety. Mm. Because it, it, to me, it feels like it just makes me beg, it begs questions, and I, and I don't like that element, particularly when it comes to motivation, which I think is such an important factor not just in storytelling but in video games because it's like why am i playing this game like what is the goal you know you could even though i think movies like this are bad you could like make a movie that's just like 45 minutes of just like some guy like wandering around being like i don't know what my purpose is and like it'd probably win like you know venice film festival or something (laughs) but it's like video game you cannot do that it's just not possible like a video game has to have progression and goal and whatever and So when you're playing with ambiguity about motivation in a video game, I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm just saying that it's really tricky and I don't think majority. And I think I think the ambiguity sort of like leans into the fact that it is a puzzle game. Right. Like I I think I almost I prefer it when they and I, I said this earlier, when they try not to like create this like giant major story because a lot of it is going to happen outside of the puzzles. And so mm-hmm. I kind of like that ambiguity because I think that highlights a little bit more the fact that it is inherently a puzzle game, right? Like for the most part. Yeah. I think one last note for me, at least on the whole, like Majora's Mask just wanting to see yeah. chaos for the, for no clear purpose other than for chaos. Like I think of like Joker in Dark Knight also <laughs> is an agent of chaos or whatever, right. but even in being an anarchist and wanting to just fuck shit up, he does still have a purpose of like he wants to prove that everyone is actually like you know primally evil inside right, like and out for themselves. Behind there's it, a principle yeah. to it. It is still seeking chaos, but to prove a point. And I guess we never figure out if there's a point that Majora's Mask is driving to prove. You know, or maybe I'm good, dumb and you know I missed another it, good but. example of that too. Is um I'm totally blanking on this. Oh uh, no, uh, Zahir in Legend of Korra season three, where he yeah. also is just like anarchy you know, let freedom like reign or whatever, but it still feels motivated by this like overreaching principle. And he wants to use Korra as like an example of that. Yes. And that feels more pointed and interesting as opposed to just, he kind of wants the world to end for some reason. I I really think that apocalypse stories like Majora's Mask are, and to its defense, I just think are so tricky because it feels like the stakes are so hard to wrap your head around. You know, I hate in Marvel movies yeah. when it's like, the world's gonna blow up. It's so like, I can't even wrap my head around. I, well, I, I, I would love to hear from like other people as well, because I I wanna 
open the possibility that I've, I'm missing something because I did play this in a time crunch, but just in the way that I perceived the story, that ambiguity just made for yeah. more I, I think the ending with the kids, because there is like, you can do like mini, like almost like, not like boss rush, but like skill mm -hmm. rushes mm -hmm. with each of those kids or whatever, which I didn't do. Uh, and so maybe there's something there that answers the question. I do think there's like ambiguity there, but I guess I just like, I don't really care about the motivation as much like of, of the villain. I mean, I think like the world ending and saving the world is enough of a motivation for me as a player to want to stop that. Sure, and, I want to so, stop and it. And so like, I, I don't like, I mean, I, I think that like, I think it makes it a really interesting villain. I don't think it makes it a, like a strong villain necessarily, but I don't think that makes it a weak villain either, if that makes sense. I just mm. think it's like a different type of villain and one that I find interesting within the context of this game that is sort of like tonally dark and like chaotic. So yeah. I think it like really works within the context of that. And for me, as someone who's like not a crazy fan of like Zelda games, I find that really interesting compared to the normal sort of like like formula there, which works really well. I'm not saying that that doesn't work. I just, I think I found this to be like a nice break of sort of this like chaos there. Yeah. Style I over substance. I think, I think, well, I, no, I think there is, fine. I think there is substance to that. I think, I think you're saying that there's not I just mean as the much substance. I'm saying the comparison by saying I like Majora because it's different from Zelda games because the villain doesn't have as strong of a motivation is style of, like the comparison, not just the idea of it alone, but I, I think, that's why I think, I think it earns credit in the Zelda canon because it's quote unquote different from other I, I think not having as clear cut of a motivation does not mean that it's a lesser motivation. I don't need it to be clear cut. I need it to be there. I need there to be something. And Majora doesn't have anything other than just like world ending chaos, which is I think too I think it's just too broad for a contained story, hmm. you know? But that's, again, I think it's just like, an, it's just a taste thing. Yeah. Sorry, but, now that was a long sidebar to, come, <laughs> to pivot back to narrative. Well, a video game is both story and gameplay, so maybe we should talk about gameplay. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, okay, it sounds, I guess we're all, uh, you know, office meme pointing guns at one another here on this gameplay <laughs> side. I the tension in this room. <laughs> I kind of liked the gameplay. Jack hated the gameplay. No. Robert, you are just not a fan of Zelda gameplay ever. So yeah, I think by virtue of to your point, Jimmy, the fact that this follows the Zelda formula to a T doesn't work for you subjectively because yeah. I don't like that. And formula. I guess I guess I don't I don't know if we need to. Well, I mean, maybe maybe you have different opinions about this, but I don't know if I feel the need to go through the gameplay from the perspective of like that there's puzzles unless you both of you feel strongly about I, that i'm curious because i think jack you have an objective point to make about yes. the gameplay can i i'll just throw in real quick because i don't think we need to spend a lot of time would it have been too much to ask to put a fucking aim reticle on the bow yeah the bow sucked to control. And there's so yeah. many mini games where there are heart pieces involved and like, I just couldn't aim at shit. And like, if it wasn't for the fact that I could suspend, uh, have suspend points on the emulator for the Switch, yeah. uh, like doing the um, target shooting in the swamp where the witch is carrying targets yeah. would have been in 
possible. I mean, I guess not really impossible, but like would have been so frustrating that I would not have done it. The aiming and camera controls in this game and in Ocarina are horrendous. Horrendous. They're, they're yeah. bad and there there are games at the time that have better controls. Yeah. And it, you cannot be like, oh, it's just like, I, it's an older game. Yeah, I think that it's a little um, touchy on the control uh, for sure. It's really sensitive, and yeah. That, I am, I don't, I actually don't know if they could have fixed that at the time, but I think that yeah. one way to, at the very least, mitigate the touchiness would have been to put a rate, a, a aim reticle well, I, I think it's also weird to me that the game is really touchy about motion controls and everything, and there's so many puzzles that require pinpoint precision. There's that one in the... Uh, forest temple, I think, where you have to light a lamp or a, a torch on fire, and maybe I did it wrong, but you have there's a fire source that's like circling around, and you have to wait until it crosses oh, over. Yeah, to, uh, you yeah. Mm -hmm. there, okay, so like a there's a a moment where if you fire an arrow, it'll go like through, through fire, fire and then light a torch. But like. Because there's no aim radical, like I had to do it like five times because I would be waiting and I would time it right, but turns out I'm aiming like to the fucking corner of the ceiling yeah. or whatever. It's just like, I couldn't believe that they at the time said, yeah, that's good. Let's ship it out. Like that's yeah, well, perfect. For me, it was the Snowhead Temple with um trying to land the Goron rolls onto those really narrow platforms. I because I never had trouble I with really that. had a hard time with that. Yeah. I think also just for me as a player, I'm so one of those people who like overcorrects, you know? I'm like, I'm going to miss it. I'm going to miss was, it. It's like, yeah. I, it was just really hard to try yeah. to like measure myself to be like, just point it straight, just point it straight. But yeah. I had a real, again, it just, I don't blame them for having sensitive motion controls. I just, why put all these puzzles that aren't really puzzles, but just like, yeah. oh, this is like kind of- Did you breathe really, on the analog stick? Yeah, yeah, you have to be really precise, you know, and it just is like, doesn't really add I, anything. Isn't it that annoying. one too where like, cause I didn't have as much trouble with that. Cause I, I figured out like, okay, I just have to like aim once and then not touch yeah. it. However, the one thing I didn't like, and I did again use the suspend points, is so unforgiving. Because if you miss it down to the bottom yep. of the temple, and yeah. you have to walk your ass all the way back up, and when you're also on a time constraint, too, yeah, like because yeah. of that, it's it's really difficult. That felt yeah. a little unfair. I mean, so I think that, and, and I'm not ex exactly sure how it works mechanically, but I do think the sensitivity of the controls is potentially a limitation of the controller itself at the time. Yeah, I'm not a hundred, which is fine. Sure. It's just like don't put puzzles like. In well, a game well what I what my point would be that I think that a lot of that stuff that they're doing in there is it's a puzzle or it's a ch like challenge by nature of the fact that the controllers are hard versus the thing itself being hard. Mm. If that makes sense. Which, so, but I think that's bad. No, like, totally. Oh, yeah. okay, I, okay, I agree. Cool. I, I think yeah. that's very bad. I think like because I know, and we'll maybe we'll talk about this a little bit more at the end here, but like in, in the 3D version that came out in 2000 something for yeah. the 3DS, yeah. they did Ocarina and uh, Majora's Mask, they did a 3D version. They made a couple of like quality of life changes. I know one of which was like the bubble link uh, yeah. has a, has a, has a, Deku Link has an aim yeah. reticle on it essentially. Mm -hmm. I don't, I'm, don't know if the bow does off the top of my head. Don't know either. Maybe, yeah. maybe it does or whatever. Uh, but you know, like they could have yeah. in the N sixty four version. That's not. I, I mean, I don't think that is too out of like no, scope there. Yeah, and even exactly. like even in they could have done it in Ocarina too. I'm sure. You right. know what I mean? Like and and I'm thinking of a game like just very easy comparison comparing to the Mario sixty four. They had some camera control and yeah, it's like a little bit wonky, but then that's not the 
part of the game that's challenging, right? Yeah. Like they mm-hmm. make sure that you don't need to have the perfect camera angle or whatever yeah. to do the thing you need to do. Well, and also the scale of this game is very tight. Like a lot of the dungeon spaces are really small oh, and compact. Totally. And so that makes the camera even more distressing because you're trying to turn around and land jumps and whatever. And I don't remember having that problem as much in Ocarina because I think the spaces are just like a little bit bigger. Yeah. And so the camera doesn't bump into walls as much. So it, it it's just like a little, ugh, like you guys, like, yeah. just, and again, I know it's such a, they did it in like a year, which is crazy. So yeah, but they did, but but they did Ocarina in a long time. Yeah, and so they could have done something there, right? I feel totally, like totally. Stuff- I, I mean more for Majora's with the um the spaces. The mm. fact that oh, really, I see what you mean. Yeah, like uh, I had less concerns with the camera in Ocarina, even though I did. I do still think that's like a fault of that game because I didn't find it affecting my gameplay as much as I did in Majora's. Yeah. yeah. And I think another thing with this, and this is a control thing, and and I think part of it is a little bit more of like getting a little ahead of yourself is all the different masks, all the different weapons that you yeah. have to change in it is like such a Such pain a pain. Ass. It was tough using the only three item slots mm-hmm. that you totally. could access at any time. I consistently needed a fourth item at all yeah, times. Totally. Yeah, totally. Like, <laughs> had to be switching. Or, or yeah. I would, or because it's so sensitive, like I would accidentally yes. just yeah. like, try to pull, so I'd be drawing an arrow and be like, fuck, I didn't like want to do that. The or, fact that you had to use the analog stick to draw an arrow was, uh, as opposed yeah. to just a button click. Yeah. Oh, and this, worst. again, this is like, you know, I'm sure in a lot of ways, a limitation of the control at the time. And like, obviously now, like I think the standard is the weapon wheel, right? Mm-hmm. That, yeah. that is really easy and intuitive and stuff like that. I'm sure they maybe couldn't have done something like this at this time, but then don't make it so complicated. Yeah. Just like, don't rely on these like pinpoint precision things where you have to like, yeah, hit the arrow just this way or hit the, use the mask in just this way. Yeah. You know, it's like a little more freedom would not make that as big of a deal. Yeah. And I don't think like, correct me if I'm wrong as bigger Zelda fans, but I don't ever think combat is like the main thing of a Zelda game. No, like it's I, always very like tertiary in terms of like how... I feel like the combat in a Zelda game works best when it feels like wish fulfillment where it's like, ah, oh, like I'm like a swordsman like when yeah. I'm like so good at this, like it doesn't really require too much finesse, like just a basic understanding of like Z-targeting and like how to use your shield and yeah. everything. I, again, to your point, I know this is why Zelda games can be frustrating. It's like, I really feel like where I want the challenge to come in is the puzzles. Yeah. And, and I think like, you know, for me, because the big, the, one of the big parts of this game was the masks, right? And yeah. so you have the weapons simple enough and it could be simple enough. You have the sword and a bow or whatever. You yeah. know what I mean? Like that, that could be it. And I think that'd be fine if they leaned into that. But there's a million other things. And then there's 20 masks. And my problem was that the masks had really varying levels of use. Yeah. In terms yeah. Of gameplay. So some of them were essential to yeah. like be th- some of them were like required right some of them were you better do this because it's going to make your life so much easier yep. when you have it yeah and then some of them were complete one some of them make you dance some of them make you dance <laughs> which them, i really like some some of them them you can find a mushroom <laughs> so, some some of them let you into the milk bar or whatever right the clock tower and so for me you know the idea of getting all 20 masks because they were sometimes really challenging to get was always like never worth it because I was like, okay, I don't know which of these are going to be like super helpful or which of these are just going to be kind of like a pain in the ass. And like, you could look it up certainly. And I did in a lot of times, but I'm thinking from the perspective of someone who's like playing this game, like the side stuff, which is, 
far and away more interesting to me than like the dungeons yeah. and the main things that were happening were so time consuming and sometimes like irrelevant to everything that I didn't feel like I was motivated to do them yeah you know and so like having the big gameplay mechanic be the mass and switching and doing the things but like it kind of not being worth it all the time was bad to me this yeah. doesn't d doesn't like i'm not trying to say this to counter anything you just said because i don't think it justifies it but did you know that um the credits are more filled out if you have all the masks yeah yeah That's i've seen fun. them and so like you get you know how like a lot of times the zelda credits um yeah. you have like little looks of like oh Ordon is celebrating now and oh oh I so like I if was you like, they took out people's names if you didn't get all the masks no no no, no, no. like you'll see little glimpses right. of like the two twins dancing if you did their little dancing yeah. mask or, side or quest. Right. Or the marriage of those two um yeah people um, and then if it, if you didn't you just saw like a, i think it was just like a rotating version of the mask yeah that mm -hmm. like you didn't collect basically which i really like that yeah but on its own does not justify. Well, that's completionism for completionism. Yeah, yeah, but it's a nice touch. That, yeah, that, yeah, that I don't mind at yeah. all. I just think maybe like, I wish they all had more use or wish they were easier to get or less of them or something like that. Sure. And also too, um, you too, when you get all the masks and you do the mini dungeons on the moon with those kids, mm -hmm. you get the ultimate, what is it called? You get the supreme oh, link. Is it the deity? The deity, deity yes. mask. Yeah. deity mask, which makes the last fight apparently. I mean, I thought it was really easy the last fight for yeah. me, but like the it makes it like crazy easy. So there's yeah. there's that, and so I'm like, okay, cool. Well, I'm missing out on this thing that's like really awesome because of these things that are not super worthwhile and really complicated. So it's just it's a whole thing of like there's there is just too much going on in this game for yeah. the limitations that they either created for themselves or just had based on well, technology. Well, and incentive is important, right? If you're yeah. doing side quests, like it's important to be like, hey, like if you invest in this, like you will get this, you know? Yeah. Like it's not, it shouldn't ever feel like, well, I don't really know what I'm doing or why I'm doing it, which I think is like a really big fundamental problem of this game for me is yeah. that, and maybe we could talk about puzzle design briefly and like just that kind of element of it. But I really think a lot of this game, my problems with it chalk up to, I don't know what I'm doing or why I'm doing it, <laughs> but the guide says I have to. Yeah. And that is like way too much referencing a walkthrough. For my taste, like I really was reaching for that walkthrough like every hour. It was it was constantly know? up for me. And I yeah. and I think that like that is partially due to my um like not having an affinity to the puzzles, right? And yeah. just kind of wanting to push through it a little bit. So I'll totally acknowledge that. But I also think that sometimes I was like, how the fuck would anyone get no, through I mean, this? No, I mean, in your defense, like I basically gave every puzzle the good old college try. Like, you know, really like, let me try to figure it out. I'll spend like a half hour to an hour trying my best. And then was like, no, okay, well, this is done. And then looking at the answer and being like, what? I mean, mm. we're, you know, they, ha they had the guides that you could buy for this game, like the yeah. big books, if you remember those, I don't know if you guys mm -hmm. ever had any of those. Yeah, but I had the Twilight Princess one. Yeah, they had those big books, and then I know Nintendo had that like hotline, because yeah. you guys oh, know no. those. You could yeah. call in to get help? They, so yeah, you could call in and you would talk, you would talk to Hello. someone. They had like people on a hotline that was open that they could like, oh, how do I get past this part? And they would try to like walk you through a basic oh, stuff that's, like that. Well, wow, that is really that's so fun. cute and that's, endearing. That's, I think it's like a failure of a game yeah, if you totally. have to reach for like, something. And, I mean, yeah. I don't know if they were like, they designed the game in mind that you would need that kind of help. But but like, I I don't know. I think, yeah, I think it's just kind of like would they, poor design. Would they talk in like a Mario voice? <laughs> 
Uh, I don't think call so. into Mario and Mario would help you with well, the No, game. they did the Navi voice. <laughs> oh, listen, <laughs> listen, listen. Yeah, they they speak to an animalese. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> Slow down, Mr. Nutter. You're going too fast. <laughs> yeah, totally. No, I mean, the timer's like going off in the corner. I got 10 yeah. minutes. <laughs> it's the final hours of yeah. cowering, you know? Uh, really, really briefly, I think this is a unanimous thing between the three of the lads. The 72 hour time loop is like chef's kiss, like mm-hmm. so yeah. good. Like yeah. once what I found the slowdown thing, I was more yes. keen on it. Yeah. At first I was really like, oh my God, this is gonna be impossible. So but. interesting, creates some really interesting narrative devices. And then again, to our point earlier, is like such an efficient way to design the game that actually enhances a lot of the thing. This is the one thing that I will say is a style point that has substance underneath it, like the time mechanic. And like, Mm. that feels right for an apocalyptic threat where it's like, ah, like I can only prevent it by going back in time over and over again. And like, I'm always on this clock. And that is a great example of like, it's a mechanic and it's a lot of it is style and just tone, but it has thematic resonance to the game and it's like a great gameplay mechanic yeah. and like it's interesting and fun to play the music mm. in those last hours yeah seeing final people, hours music seeing, is great seeing the people kind of like cowering i don't know yeah. if you saw any of those mm-hmm. surprising really, really... lots of um modern day parallels to um walking into the mayor's office and seeing people like the festival must go on even though yeah. the movie, you know those total jaws like keep the beach open yeah, yeah. very like, very cool to see a game explore the substance i honestly wish they did more with that because i thought the mayor's scene was really cool but there's not a whole lot of other stuff like that in the t- in clock town but I would have loved a game that was half of half as long that only took place in Clocktown. Yeah, <laughs> it was like slightly bigger. Like that would be like perfect. To me. No it, dungeons. Wow, this is gonna expose myself. So it's Clocktown. It's not Termina. Termina is the land, not Termina the name of the city. The realm. Clocktown is the name of the oh, that town. Wow, yeah. who named that town? That's dumb. Well, it's a bit clocky. Clock. See, <laughs> dumb. <laughs> <laughs> big big Clocktown in parentheses. No moon is actually the full name. Oh, of that okay, town. got it, got it. They got they had a tough time when the moon started. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah, so that was really great uh, combat. Just combat. Oh, I will say that like I know you had trouble with at least I don't know if you had trouble with all the bosses, but the last one that you tried was Oof. like the challenge. I actually really love the bosses in this bosses game. I thought great. they were like I thought they were interesting. I thought it like that's the only time that I liked like combat, quote unquote, is when yeah. you could sort of like like utilize those different things. I liked the last battle I thought was like fun and like enough of a challenge. Two boss battles were good. I did not like Georg or the one that I rage quitted on. The like the, twin. Uh, twin Rova or whatever. I thought those were pretty weirdly constructed. Like I really don't understand why it would be like, I have to wear this mask that I just found 30 seconds ago to beat these bosses, but it also runs on a magic meter. So if you run out, you have to find magic in the back. It's just like really not well designed in my mind. I really do like the part of the Zelda formula where you have to use the item that you found in the dungeon to yeah. beat them. Um, so I was expecting it to be the light arrows, but I guess not. I really so. don't like the magic meter in the old Zelda games like at all. Yeah, I, I, I like prefer stamina. some of the ones that don't have the magic meter. Although I, I think in Wind Waker, I don't mind the magic meter as much. Do they do have magic meter. Well, do we, thing. I mean, I think it might be a good time unless either of you have something to I say. I wanted to talk about puzzle design real quick. I know that I wrote about it in the DLC as well, but... I'm curious to hear what you guys thought as well, because I really feel like the ultimate thing and that I and this is where the objective thing comes in that I thought this game had a big was a big stumbling block was the way that the puzzles were crafted, particularly leading up to each dungeon, Mm -hmm. because most of them, you can't access the dungeon without completing like a long series of non-related 
quest lines that are either it's like not clear what you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. So you have no idea how to do it. And just to pull up, I have it up just the quote that I used in my DLC, which is from this um, game designer, Mark Brown. Um, it was a great channel called Game, game Makers Toolkit. And he talks about that, how intentionality is really important in a puzzle. And that what that means is that you are always clear on what you're trying to do. The only thing you're trying to figure out is how to do it. Mm-hmm. And I really feel like this game is what am I supposed to do? Not how am I supposed to do it? Mm. I I think that for me that is all Zelda games and why I don't really like like them that much. The mm-hmm. puzzle elements because I'm always feeling like this is so unclear and this is just kind of like a puzzle for puzzle's sake. And like I, I'm thinking of like you know the water dungeon in uh, Ocarina mm-hmm. of Time, and I think actually the Snowhead uh, one in this I thought was like really challenging really and kind of like, like unclear too. Mm. So I, yeah, I totally agree with you. I think they're designed poorly, but I guess it feels to me like the rest of them in a lot of ways. Jack, do you have like a specific example you could cite? Because I feel like I had more, my issues with all of the puzzles and the dungeons, as we said so many times, was the fact that they were just plopped in. Um, but I, I'm struggling to think of it a moment well, where like there was one where like I thought you didn't get to this design. For me, it's the end, the way you get into the last dungeon, the stone tower temple, mm-hmm. where you can actually access the bottom floor of the temple the second you enter Akana Canyon. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's, it seems that there is this puzzle where there are these like three floating blocks and you can hop across them. Um, And then there's like a claw shot target that you can try to get like a little higher. Um, The problem is ultimately you need to learn this song that allows you to create a duplicate of yourself so that you can place it on these switches Mm -hmm. so that the platforms will move so that you can create a bridge to get into the main part of the dungeon. Okay, That is crazy. You... I was in there for like an hour trying to figure out how to make this work. And only when I went to the guide was I like, oh, actually to get that, you need a song, which there's no reference to needing a song or needing some sort of other thing to do this puzzle. Mm -hmm. I have to go back to Akana Canyon. I have to save this little girl and her dad so that I can get into the well, so that I can do this weird dungeon with the mummies, so that I can then access Akana Castle, so I can do that mini dungeon. And then when I beat the boss in there, then he will teach me the song that I need to solve this puzzle. Nonsensical, not the perfect example in my mind of not what am I, not how am I supposed to do it, what am I supposed to do? It is, so your issue just to clarify is like, you don't like the fact that you're able to go in and it would seem to suggest that, oh, everything I need to solve this puzzle is within the dungeon that I'm currently in. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that's dumb. That's so stupid. It's insane to me because I I just really, the reason that I bring this quote up about intentionality is I just really think that a good puzzle is, it is just about, I see what my objective is Mm -hmm. and I'm not trying to figure out just what to do. It's just literally... Even if it's as simple as just, I see that I have to get to that door, but I have no way of accessing it. Mm-hmm. This is like, I'm in the room. Yeah. <laughs> I see all the switches. I see all, I, but I just, the only way to do this is that you need yeah. to have, which by the way is also crazy because so many Zelda games before that involve puzzles of putting pots on switches. Right. So I was like looking for the pot those, to put on. Those, and yeah. those uh, like 
like what statues that you put in place are yeah. so creepy. Oh, they're so creepy. <laughs> they're terrifying. But it just, to me, it's like, I wrote about this in the DLC too, um, is just, it's invisible barriers. Yeah. It's like, I have no idea that I'm bumping up against something <laughs> that is impossible to clear without extra steps. And it, that to me just feels like, and this is my object. I just think that that is like objectively bad yeah. puzzle design. I, I have like, I was kind of hit and miss on those pre-dungeon puzzles because I, I really did like the jungle area one where you have to save the monkeys. Um, yeah, that one worked okay I liked me. that one. I liked the Goron one. And I'd say I was stupid because you talk about invisible walls. How about the literal oh, invisible yeah. wall with the Goron? I'm mixed on that because like you did just get maybe 30 minutes earlier the lens of truth. Yeah. So it should be obvious enough that you should use that. But I like couldn't figure out what the fuck I was doing yeah. wrong. Yeah. And I will say to my defense, the fact that there's just a big old fat Goron sitting there, like what the hell was that? We'll talk about another invisible barrier and one that has the same solution, which is that you can't pass it until you learn a song. And well, no, it was the item, but I guess... Right, no, but I mean, you can't get past the... You need to lull it to sleep. Oh, to get right, okay, yes, you're right, yeah. It's like the same thing. It's like, I again, this was in my DLC, so now I'm just really repeating myself, but yeah. it was like, can you sense a theme here? That there are so many puzzles in this game yeah. where you get to the puzzle and you're like, uh, what am I supposed to do? And then it's like, oh, you have to learn a song. Yeah, that's so funny, because I feel like that is so classic Zelda to me. Like, where I'm getting to a point where I'm like, I, I, I there's no... To me, no possible way to determine like what to do here, or I'll get to the spot where I'll be running through a dun like a dungeon and doing a lot of stuff, and they get to end. It's like, oh, you actually need this key. You have to go all the way back and then go to a separate room that has it that like and do this other thing to go back to that thing. I think is like so well, frustrating to me. And I get that is like that is just like a puzzle mechanic kind of thing. But I really love when they are a little bit more. I know you don't like this, but a little bit more room-to-room straightforward. I, I don't mind a room-to-room -room puzzle. I think, again, to what we talked about, some of the Uncharted puzzles are great. Like, I love... And there's a puzzle in Twilight Princess that I love with the two statues. Um, oh, in the, in the Temple of Time. Time where yeah. it's like very... It's just a one-off. It's just very Up clear. Like, you're supposed yeah. to do this, whatever. Um, that That's all fine. Again, what's... The, the thing that you're saying about locked doors, it's like, it's just that simple. This door is locked. You need a key. So it's like... It's not what am I supposed to do. It's just how am I? I have to find this right. Key. I I, I'm, yeah. I I think they're like separate thoughts. For uh, no, totally. I I I'm just the, I. The reason I bring it up is because I think that I I know what you're saying because it's like that's just not what you like. Yeah. yeah. In a game, you mm -hmm. know, I don't think that those types of puzzles in those dungeons bother me in the same way that these bothered me because it's like it's not. It's just not clear what my goal is. <laughs> yeah. And to anybody who's out there, because I, I did think about this, anybody's like, well, it is clear what your goal is. Your goal is you have to get across the bridge. It's like, no, that's fucking obvious that mm -hmm. I have to get across the bridge. The goal is, how do I get past this Goron? But there's no, yeah. it's like not clear what I'm supposed to do I, to achieve that. I also, I think it's another example of my main issue of them being plopped down is like, why is there a big Goron? And why is he <laughs> yeah. a ghost? And why yeah. is he invisible? And why is he blowing air against other Gorons? Style over substance. It's just like somebody probably thought like, oh, what if we had a big old fat Goron? And like that to me was like, it, it was just kind of like, Dumb, didn't serve any purpose to the story. It was just like, we needed some barrier. I know there's a lot of Goron stuff that I didn't go through. And so perhaps there's like a solution to that. Um, in early an answer rather um, yeah. to why that yeah. person is there. Because I is, didn't do um, the full. Yeah. I Sorry, I'm cutting you off again. That's okay. I, I just think, I don't mind that as much. But I do, like, I don't mind that the fact, oh, why is it there? 
I do not like the, what am I supposed to do? How yeah. am I supposed to possibly yeah. know this without just like trying a bunch of stuff? No. Which I think is kind of like the core Zelda thing is you just kind of have to explore and do do a lot of things. And it works better in a literal ex- exploration kind of thing, but that doesn't connect to me either. And mm. so having like um, that element plus the whole like, the key, like, oh, I have to go back to a completely different room to get a key versus like my ideal puzzle being like, all right, you're in this room. There's a locked door. Where's the key? It's in this room. You got to figure out how to do it. I don't mind that. It's yeah. the oh, time for. Oh, it's time for lunch. Time for lunch, Jack. That's your Chipotle. Anyway. Yeah, I just I to, to what you're saying, too. It's just like I, I think that at least in the dungeons themselves, I had less of an issue because it's still clear when you look at the map, it's like, well, I haven't been to this room yet. Yeah. So I have to find a way to get to this room, yeah. you know? But it's like, those invisible barriers are just so frustrating. And I think there's a lot of Zelda games that do the lead up to those types of dungeons better. Yeah, and sure. um, it's really disappointing. <laughs> so um, real quick, just to, to wrap, or before we wrap it up, um, you know, Earlier, we acknowledged that we're playing the N64 version, and I, I know there is a 3D version, the 3DS, um, that has made some improvements, some changes that are regarded as like bad or like not improvements or made the game worse. Mm-hmm. You know, I know the the boss that you ended up having a tough time with, Jack. Like they made harder, I think, based on like the stuff that I've seen and like read about it, and mm-hmm. so like that. So there's a lot of like debate on whether the changes are, but I am interested in hearing what both of you have to say about the idea of like a definitive version of the game mm. and what you're supposed to play. Because I feel like right now, there's, or in the least in the last like uh, 10-ish years or so, mm-hmm. there because video games have now been out a long time, mm-hmm. there's been a lot of remasters. Yeah. There's been a lot of ports. There's been a lot of those different things. And so, you know, what like if someone is playing Majora's Mask yeah. for the first time, what version should they play? I think they should play the 3D version. Um, and I, I think this kind of goes back to something we were chatting about recently. I don't remember on which episode, um, but the idea of like we live in this era of video games now where things are constantly patched after they're released, mm-hmm. um, and I think that's a bad thing. I think that it's led to a lot of laziness where games yeah. are put out before they're ready. And so like the idea of like making a, improving the game a couple months, even a couple years after it's been released because you couldn't do it under time constraints the first time is bad. But when you're talking about like legacy games from over a decade ago, I think, and I wish more uh, efforts were made to give an updated remastered Mm -hmm. version of them to play that will essentially give you the same great game, but just either make it look a little better, which is like less of a concern. I I don't mind the old graphics, but you know, it's nice to have a, a fresh coat of paint. And then also be able to go back and be like, okay, mechanically we couldn't do this last time, we yeah. can now. I know that all of us are really craving and aren't gonna get the Red Dead 1 remaster, right? That's well, a game that like exclusively, if they came out with a remastered version, don't play the original one, play the remaster, yeah. assuming that they don't like change major, major like story elements. Well, right? I think but, it's important to make a distinction between remaster and remake because they're very different. Uh, yeah, and I'm talking about remastered. Not a full-blown remake. Majora's Mask 3D would classify as a remaster. I think it would classify as a remake because they're using a different engine. 
Yeah, but they're not changing anything fundamental about the way the game is. They're well, sure. no, but none of it, it's okay. kind of a weird gray area because they do change some mechanics. I I would say that like based on what I haven't played it, so maybe they change more than I think. Based on what I've seen, I would say that's more of a remaster because it is still fundamentally the same. So but, so here, I think here's a good distinction and a really good example is The Last of Us Part right. One. Yes, there's three versions of The Last of Us Part One. Yeah, there's the original. There's the remaster, which mm-hmm. is purely like a graphical upgrade, yeah. and they did. They're basically using the same uh, elements. And I'm not a developer or designer, so I don't know exactly how this works. But they're basically using the same elements of that, but just enhancing the graphics. Yeah. And then there's the remake, where they built essentially the whole thing from scratch. Yeah. They're using the same mocap and stuff like that. It's the same story. It's all that kind of stuff, but they're adding that, and then maybe some quality of life changes, yeah. or like in this case, like. Um, you know, with the PS5, they added some of the haptic feedback using like mm-hmm. utilizing the DualSense. And so that is a like, I think maybe less changes were made to that than were made for the Legend uh, uh, or Majora's 3D. Mm-hmm. But I think they're both considered remakes, like from like an industry standard perspective, because yeah. with the 3DS, they've, you know, the controls are different because the controller is drastically different, right? The 3DS controller yeah. versus the N64. All new graphics, all new things, you know. So it, I mean, it, it's kind of like a different game, I think, and which is why I'm a little bit more leaning towards if you're going to play the game, like I don't want to hear any shit about us critiquing this game because we played the N64 game. Yeah, mm-hmm. because I think that the game, for the most part, is very is there's a lot of similarities in that 3DS version, and I don't think it's fair to like dog pile on us for not playing the the updated version of the game when by all metrics and, and uh, analytics or like reviews or whatever, mm-hmm. this game is rated highly because of the N64 version. Right. Right. Like it's yeah, not, right. they're not rating the 3D version. They're rating right. the game itself. I get what you're saying. And I, I think that there's merit to that. I guess maybe um, to even go back on what I was saying earlier a little bit, I like the idea of remasters because they also often mean that it's just easier to access, which mm-hmm. I think is essential. Yeah, um, ease of access should be priority. That and yeah, I, and I think so maybe if, maybe that's what more I prioritize when yeah. I say remasters. So, and if, if yeah. I think if the the 3DS version was available on the Switch, we probably would have played that. I would have probably pushed yeah, for that. I, I think I feel like I really am like I don't know if it matters to me. Mm. I ultimately the the DNA is there for both, right? Like mm. it's kind of the same. Like yes, there's we can talk about quality of life improvements and like which is better and which is worse, but it's always going to be like a mixed bag. It's never going to be I, I feel like there's always the de- room for debate about, well, I like the way they did it in the original better this way or there's like charm elements of like the fact that it's not as polished or yeah. whatever. Uh, personally, I, I just think that this game really, for me anyway, it wouldn't have mattered. Yeah. I mm-hmm. just think it's like, there's something off in the sauce for me about yeah. this game from the get-go. So I, I don't think it would have made a difference to me personally which one. So if you're thinking about playing it out there to anyone listening, I, I would say just go with your gut and go with where you can access it, you know? I think the more changes they make, the worse. And the more, like, angry I am about mm-hmm. it. Like, I'm like, oh, so you needed to do all these things to make this mm-hmm. game, like, better? Like, uh, uh, another couple of good examples are um, the Ghost of Tsushima, like, director's yeah. cut. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's not a 
remake. I don't even know if they would consider it like a remaster, but it's a up, it's a graphical upgrade to bring it to some of the PS5 yeah. stuff in terms of like how the frame rate runs. They obviously they added Iki Island. Maybe consider that a DLC. That's more like a than, patch slash DLC. I but yeah. but but they included stuff for the haptic feedback on the the Dual Sense to make that a little bit yeah. more modern. That I feel like play the. Play the director's cut. I think oh, I mean, it. now play the director's cut and make sure that you play Iki Island at the end. Yeah. <laughs> or, or like, <laughs> which I know that we fought about. <laughs> or for instance, Disco Elysium. Disco yeah. Elysium has the final cut. They added all the, the voice uh, acting in it. They added a couple of like political side Political side stuff like that. That to me is the definitive version of the game and intended that way. The Majora's, the difference between the N64 and the 3D feels like almost too different. Like yeah. in, in a weird way that I like, what am I supposed to play? How are you supposed to like, you know, compare the two? I don't mm. know. There's just like too much going on. And so I just think it's like interesting to talk yeah, totally. about in like, there's a lot of remakes and this could have been a whole other podcast episode. <laughs> yeah. Hey, maybe we'll do a, uh, uh, a bonus episode. It's bonus really line. tricky, right? It's like, well, I, I don't know. It's interesting too, because I think that what you were saying about Red Dead 1, mm -hmm. um, Jimmy, is that. That is a game that, yeah, if they did a remaster, it'd be like amazing. And I would like happily, what, did they just like announce that they're doing that or what? No, they, no. they very, very specifically, I mean, I think this is a little what like on the side. At? They, it's totally unrelated. Oh, okay. so, <laughs> they said like, I think they're, they canceled it like officially yeah, because they were, they're working on GTA 6 more. Like they yeah, put all their oh, efforts, which like, oh, that makes That's me so, so frustrating. frustrating. But all I was going to say is just like to your point, it's like, I think that that, a remaster, sure, why not? I'll play the remaster. Doesn't make a difference to me in how much I love that game. Mm. Like, and I think that that's kind of my point is that it's like remaster or not, upgrades or not. Like, I really feel like a game needs it should stand on its own two legs, regardless of quality of life, whatever. Yeah. And there are games that do that, and there are games that don't. Yeah. yeah. I think the big, uh, the, maybe the distinction is that the the core issues were with Majora's Mask were not because of. Uh, limitations of like that's really what make I mean the uh, technology or whatever absolutely uh, cool well we're we're um, we're this I, so this is kind of I guess somewhat tied in is Shelby texted me a cat that's up for adoption oh uh, and because we've been like low-key kicking tires and like maybe getting a second cat <gasps> potentially whoa live potentially. on mic <laughs> but how this actually does link in and how I know yeah. Shelby is trying to get me on board because she was against this initially, she's like, we could name her Zelda. Because I really want to name an animal Zelda. Oh and my god, that's she's so cruel. Like, you I know. Play your heart, you're playing your heartstrings like a damn harp. I know. <laughs> that's how I know Like, she really wants this cat, because she does not was not for that name initially, but she knows I, I really like that name. You don't want to name it Midna? I feel like that's such a good cat name. Like, <laughs> we need oh a third cat. Oh <laughs> we need a god. third and a fourth and a fenth. I'm literally tearing up at the thought of that. Oh, oh my god. god. Let's uh, end this podcast. Yeah, we're, 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 yeah, oh we're, we're coming in. We're coming in uh late here. Um cool. So so yeah, um I guess just uh back around the table here. Sure. Oh, um, so that's me. Jack, yeah. yeah. So yeah, I, I really again I just want to preface this. It's like if you love this game, like I'm so happy for you. And like I don't mean to shit on you or anybody who worked on this game or who's listening or who did anything. Like I just whatever. Like <laughs> if you worked on this game and are listening, if to you this, worked on the please reach out. If you worked on the 3D one, maybe it would be yeah. more, you know, just whatever. If you have any ties to this game in any capacity, like this is not directed at you. That being said, 
I, this this really frustrated me. And now I just want to talk about the emotional aspects of it. It's like, I love The Legend of Zelda. It's like my favorite thing ever. And this really felt like it poked a hole mm. in my childhood. <laughs> like, it really was just like, uh, like, wow, they messed up in my mind. You know, like, mm. and I really used to be like a little more towards what you were saying, Jimmy, just like believing in, believing in Oz, so mm. to speak. You know, just like, the infallibility of the Zelda franchise. And this really was like very eye-opening and felt very jarring to me. And this was really disappointing because I really wanted to play this game and there was a huge gap in my Zelda knowledge. And um, yeah, I just for all the reasons we've talked about, narrative I think is weak, gameplay I think is weak, um, doesn't do what Zelda does best when it is at its peak. I just really am like, yeah, I see everything that you were trying to do and it just didn't work for me either on an objective merit or a subjective merit. So I, I really feel like, I don't mean to sound like, I'm like, oh, I'm like a victim, but I feel like backed into a corner of 2.5. I'm just like, that's what it is, is that, you know, I, it just doesn't work for me. I think it's like a bad, bad game, unfortunately. So two and a half out of five for Majora's Mask, very sad. So I um, realized playing this and Ocarina of Time that I just think I don't really like Zelda games. I think that was like yeah. my big revelation playing this. It's just not my style. And it's very much unlike most of my bad, bad quote unquote, bad ratings of games that have ever come out is it's very, very subjective. And I'm totally acknowledging that. I, I understand that they're good. I understand why people like them. I understand why they work. They just don't work for me. So I was already kind of coming into this knowing that I would not like the gameplay, the combat, the mechanics, the like puzzles, like that kind of stuff. What really surprised me about this game and why I rated it a lot higher than I think I would have was I really liked the thematic elements. I really liked the style elements. The story really worked for me and felt like it stood out among the rest of the Zelda games in those particular ways that I thought is so ahead of its time. And so I really understand why that part resonates with people because it resonated with me as well. So even though like, you know, the language of this, uh, of, of my three lad rating is says truly average, I don't think that's correct. I do think it's a good game. It just, Zelda games don't work for me. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that's why uh, ultimately I landed on a three out of five lads. For sure, yeah, I I, uh, I think that this is a, a decent Zelda game, and I think that my overall like take here is that I was expecting this to be a bit more than it was. I had heard so many good things about it. It's a cult classic. It changes things up for Zelda, blah blah blah, and I just think that like it ended up being a Zelda game that I'm probably going to think about the least in terms of the Zelda games that I've played. Um, I, I think that like the, for reasons that we've talked about the narrative just like didn't go in as deep as I wanted it to. Uh, and it made for an overall like less impactful experience, not a bad experience, but a little blander than I think I was expecting it to be. Um, I still enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to finishing it up. Uh, and for that, I give it a 3.5 out of five. Cool. Uh, last game of the season. Last game. Did you in season three? Did you do that? We um, oh, will have um, up later. We'll have our podcast episode talking about um, 
uh, Animal Crossing New Horizons, which mm -hmm. was sort of like our long play. So technically that is the last game you'll hear from us about this mm -hmm. season, although we're considering that I think the first game of the season. So, yeah. uh, so, so you'll hear that. After that, we'll have our wrap up. A lot of cool, exciting stuff happening for the end of season two, season three, and I'll say it beyond. So excited. The future is we have, bright. Uh, we, we've been picked up for season three with an option for season yeah. four. Uh, the season is bright. It's uh, definitely where we're at. <laughs> it's going to be great. Looking forward to it, guys. Hey, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Lads Who Pod. If you're interested in keeping up with the lads, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Lads Who Game and can read our more detailed analysis of this game and more on our website, ladswhogame.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts, give us a rating, and tell your friends. 